What is an artisan? They're guys who make pots. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Thursday, June 27, 2013. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 525. This is No Agenda. A full-fledged member of the Flat Earth Society here in the Travis Heights hideout in Austin, Texas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, the mecca of something, I'm John C. Devorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. I thought you were gonna use your new moniker, man. Pretty good, huh? The, the mecca of something. Great. That's just great. You think that sucked? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. So it's warm out there, you said earlier. Oh. Really? It's what, horrible. What is warm? Is it 80? Is that what's warm for yeah, you? Yeah, 80 is hot for us mm-hmm. because of the nature of the uh, barometric pressure and the oh. uh, <laughs> and the humidity and the variables. It's very, it's, 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 and we don't have any cooling mechanisms. Yeah, you have, you have no air conditioning, right? That's your, that's the main problem. Yeah. But that's okay. It's winding up. This will be hot for a few days. And the, and then generally speaking, traditionally on July the 4th, just before the fireworks, yeah. the fog rolls in. <laughs> that's right. And then you can't, can't see, see the, the fireworks. fireworks. <laughs> I know. We were in San Francisco for two July 4s. And it's like we, there's one building that has a party on the rooftop. Remember that? Yeah. And you could just see, pew, pew, you could see like a couple of rockets just coming above the fog layer. That's yeah. really funny. That doesn't matter because it'll. It, uh, I presume the city is just one big party right now. Have you not gone down to the to the district? Have you not hung uh, out they, with they the boys? They played it on the news, yeah. Oh, it must, it, everyone must be going insane. I, and, I, and I'm sure they're all crediting the fact that it's a, uh, a conservative Supreme Court. <laughs> I, I, it's funny I haven't because noticed that anyone said anything. No, no, no. I saw, I saw um, some of my Obama bot friends. You know, their brain was getting scrambled. Like, uh, 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 I don't understand. How is it possible? What? How, how can the Republican guys do this? Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, No, oh, man. I, I mean, I spent so much time yesterday understanding what actually went down. And for those of you who are. Um, uh, who are new to the program, and I'm sure a lot of listeners from other countries probably only got the news in the following manner. Um, highest court in America says gay marriage okay. I think that's probably the it's message. exactly what they said, but... Yeah, but... Well, no, that's that's what the news is. I'm pretty sure that's what the news is. Yeah. And that's how it's being um, accepted, but... This is not about marriage at all. I, I don't. I don't think people understand the significance of what happened here. I mean, what is your take on this, uh, John? As a uh, as a gay man yourself, what is your take on? <laughs> it's a time to celebrate. <laughs> it, Run around in a circle, waving your arms, yelling "Yay!" Yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. There's, there's a Yay! there's a lot of things going on here with this. Uh, this is the Defense of Marriage Act, and it it is well, kind that, of... That was doomed. That we knew was going to get chucked out. But they had the two things. One was in California. We had Prop Proposition, 8, yeah. which was the initiative that we, we, we didn't allow gay marriage in California. It kept get voting. They, they kept... You know, this is going to come up again, because here's the way the, the thing went down to begin with. Some time back, I can't remember what the original proposition was, but it voted gay marriage out you want gay marriage go someplace else and so everyone was you know the gays were all irked about this but everyone was nobody else was 
didn't think much about. So they so they went to court and they did all some craziness, and they got the thing thrown out. And and referendums and initiatives in California are really important. We we like the idea that we can just vote in a law. So there was a backlash against the the backdoor uh, removal of this uh, initiative, and so they came up with Prop Eight, and then they voted it in. And so then they, again, there's no gay marriage. And they were, and I think the reason it got voted in the, the second time was because the certain liberal elements of the society were gloating about, well, yeah, yeah, I can't do nothing about it now. And one of the main ones was Gavin Newsom. And so they voted it in again. And so now it went to the Supreme Court. Now they got thrown out again because it got, it's, it's going to go, <laughs> this is never going to end. Well, well, well let, let, let me back up for a second, because th- what you need to understand, and this, and this is what I found, I found the process to me as a, a government legislation analyst is really kind of fun. So when you look at what exactly is the DOMA, as it's called, and I bet you if you went on the street and asked people that uh, 90% wouldn't even know what it stood for. But they well, know. I, they would, I, in Cal- around here, they would say yeah. it's a stuffed grape leaf. Yeah. <laughs> and it's tasty. DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act, uh, by itself, is it fits on one page. It fits on half a page, actually. Um, and what it did is it added a number of uh, paragraphs, actually uh, two specifically, uh, to the U.S. law and kind of the rule book at the very beginning of our uh, United States Code, so that's all of the law, it has a number of definitions. We talked about one on the previous show, which is the definition of what a person is, U.S. persons. And so that's in there, and it says, you know, a person is a company, a corporation, so all the things that everyone always laughs about, it actually says that there. And the Defense of Marriage Act, which was uh, signed into law in 1996 by uh President Bill Clinton um, has two additions to these the definition. One is section, uh, paragraph uh, two, which shows up as I think paragraph seven in the actual U.S. Code, says no state, territory, or possession of the United States or Indian tribe shall be required to give effect to any public act, record, or judicial proceeding of any other state, territory, possession, or tribe respecting a relationship between persons of the same sex that is treated as a marriage under the laws of such other state, territory, possession, or tribe, or a right or claim arising from such relationship. This um, has been left in place and was not ruled on by the Supreme Court. And the way I understand that kind of long text is um, no state has the right over any other state, which is kind of how it's supposed to work in, in our federalist system. Right. Section 3 is the one that the Supreme Court has deemed unconstitutional. And what that exactly means is what I'd like to talk about. But let me read specifically Section 3. Uh, and this is um, and this happens a lot when uh, uh, when judges... In fact, most lawsuits are about the meaning of the word. And this is why you know, we, we love talking about words. We look up the definition of words all the time. So the definition of marriage, which you can find in many dictionaries, and many dictionaries have different definitions... In fact, interesting that uh, the Supreme Court did not reference any dictionaries in this case. Uh, The definition of marriage, according to, and this uh, was added as paragraph 7, an addendum, the last uh, definition before you get to the U.S. Code, in determining the meaning of any act of Congress or of any ruling, regulation, or interpretation of the various administrative bureaus and agencies of the United States, the word marriage 
means only a legal union between one man and one woman as husband and wife, and the word spouse refers only to a person of the opposite sex, excuse me, who is a husband or wife. Now, here's what I find interesting. Everyone's jumping up and down, celebrating, saying, oh, yes, the Supreme Court has deemed this unconstitutional. Well, so here is the key, to me, the key point. And, of course, you know, there's lots of other things that we need to talk about specifically when it comes to, you know, what defines marriage. Um, but the Supreme Court didn't write a new law, a new phrase. They didn't say, oh, you know, it can be uh, uh, one person of any gender. They just said this is un or they voted and ruled this is unconstitutional. And this is now and this is what surprises me been taken by everyone as oh. Perfect. Done. Partay. I get to file joint taxes. And everyone's like loving the fact that now, you know, that they're being ruled over even more by the government. But strangely enough, aren't we supposed to, isn't Congress in charge of doing this? Does the Supreme Court now decide who's in charge? Are they now, do they determine law? Well, they are the oversight of the, of, of the laws. And yeah. They can do that. That's what they do. And so, what, there's three parts of the of the government. There's the judicial, yes. the executive, and the legislative. And any one of them can can, can create laws, right? So, but they don't. But the Supreme Court doesn't do it out of the blue, right? So, so now the this two, okay. But don't they need to put? Because I've I've read both the dissent and the the what is it called the the opinion and the dissenting opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so as a bicurious male, here's my question. Um, I am, Can I not now say that I am being discriminated against because I am torn, obviously, and it is LGBT, so I'm, a, I'm bisexual in the making. I'm still bicurious, but when I become bisexual, do I then not have the right to be married to both a man and a woman? And can uh, I, I think there's another U.S. code about bigamy, that, or not bigamy, yeah, bigamy, where you can't be married to two people at the same time. I think it's a different part of the law. And, and, and let me ask you a specific question. Why is that? Well, I've always been against it. Well, but, but, but I'm asking you a question. Why is the government involved in marriage at all? What, what well, is the, what a lot is of the people benefit? would say that. They'd say that you know, marriage, the government should be involved in, in, in essentially licensing businesses, so, you know, these these relationships where you you form a uh, kind of a, a joint operation you're yeah well, we, it's, we have companies we have companies with multiple yeah, shareholders with, between two people the uh the the churches are the only ones that really because it's kind of a religious thing to get married per se yeah but, but that's but, but what's I'm not happened, interested i'm not interested in that i'm interested in why the government um specific the government has to make determination because it's in their best interest they have some clue and some rigid l rules about how they dole out their their uh, compensation when they you got somebody on a health care plan does your wife get part of it and what if your wife's a guy and you're a guy the, do, does he get part of it it's a it's a mess stay with me this is this is exactly what i want to understand at what point did uh it become an incentive uh, and uh, to be married, and why has the government been sponsoring this? I mean, it's not—it's it, not about children because we don't have rules about how many. It's not China. There's no rules about how many kids you can or can't have. What it, it, the whole thing seems to be enslavement to me. The whole concept. Well, I think that's what it amounts to. But what it what it stems from is doling out benefits. 
Right. Because if you are a slave, <laughs> yes. you have to get, you know, they, you get, they got to give you food. They got to give you some right. bowl of porridge. Right. And so that that takes the form of health care in, in today's world because it's so it's it's ridiculously expensive in the United States. We are our greatest health care system, which mm-hmm. is a complete scam mm-hmm. uh, based, you know, because of the it's just a scam. Let's face it. Right. And so they they this is the whole gay marriage thing to me has always been about benefits. You know, so they get the well, same you, benefits. You, you, yes. And, and here's the thing. I see my uh, my gay friends. They're they're extremely happy that now they um, can file uh, jointly and in some cases that's very beneficial uh, but I can just see that this does will this not open up this is this going to go on forever now because why would you not have the right to have a polyamorous uh, marriage I think that would be the next step and and by the way there's you know the Mormons are you know there's a lot of people who already kind of live that way and this has to be the next step because this is about discrimination of benefits. And what difference does it make? Can I, can I not have uh, a great family with, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe Mickey wants two husbands? You know, what is wrong about that? Just, let's just be really honest about the conversation. You can't say that that's not okay. You can't keep up, huh? <laughs> I was going to extend the offer to you, but you know, you just blew it now. It's all over. Yeah, uh, good luck. So, uh, but this, but to me, this no, is I, very interesting. You're talking to the choir here. I've always thought, but the, again, the problem is simple. It's like now, let's say you are uh, a guy who you know you can maintain a relationship with five women. I mean, these Mormon guys have done it. Many of them, and the women are happy because they don't have one guy hounding them all the time for sex. <laughs> you know, there's one hottie in the group. Let, she just, takes care. Let's of. just generalize for a moment here. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a fact. <laughs> yeah, fact. So, so any anyway, fact. So uh, so let's say the guy's got seven wives, and uh, you know he's he's doing a good job with them. He's managing this opera. It's like a corporation, and he's got like. Four 40 kids. Right. And now he goes to work for, you know, the TSA and they got to give benefits to like seven wives well, and no, 40 you, kids. Yeah. Do you know what that would cost? The, the guys make, would be making 50000 a yeah. year and be getting a million dollars worth of benefits. They're, they're not going to put up with this. Right. Right. Well, the, the, the whole thing to me and, and I watched uh, there were two sessions one. Well, there were multiple things. The president called some people from uh, from Air Force One. I mean, it was. It was pretty. It's a very joyous occasion. But, Congratulations! Yeah, but my bullshit detector went off so bad, and it it this has the Defense of Marriage Act, as I understand it, has never really been about gay marriage. It's always about who has the right to decide about gay marriage. Is it the states? Is it Congress? Or is it the Supreme Court? I believe well, that the states should have the full it, reign over it, that. Most of the analysis I've seen say that the states still do. And they did throw out the California deal, so that can be, but that can be reversed with another law. Right. But there's thir- something like 34 states that prohibit gay marriage, and they everyone says that that's still in play. You you still prohibited from gay marriage in these states, and yes. so I don't see that anything's really changed. The only reason for celebration in San Francisco is because that again they, we've gone through this process where the specific law that was passed in in California has been overturned and it's this null and void. So they're, they're everyone's going to go crazy. Easy getting married over, you know. This was the, this was done on the Simpsons episode where, where they passed gay marriage and Homer started doing marriages and he was making money hand over fist. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. thinking, yeah. Geez, I mean, this is a way to with our low donation. 
options. We can. <laughs> hey, we're both licensed. We're both licensed, right? I'm licensed. Uh, yeah, yeah. hundred bucks a pop. Universal Life Church. We can do all kinds exactly. of marriages. Yeah. So you know, and and of course, you get all kinds of extreme examples. Um, and yes, this has always been about. But you know, the whole thing stems from a lawsuit, which is kind of funny because uh, there was a lawsuit, and you know, the woman's partner died, and uh, this woman. I forget her name. She, Edwina. She had to uh, pay you know three hundred fifty thousand dollars in taxes, which she would not have had to pay if they had been legally married. That's that's really what this is about. Let's not overlook that. Right, and, and, and I think that that was a reasonably uh, good idea for a lawsuit. Yes, it's, but it's horrible that they, you get but, screwed. But like what's that. interesting is that everyone agreed. the The administration agreed. You know, everyone's like, "Yeah, that's no good. That's no good. That's no good." But they 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 took it. In fact, that's even what the dissenting uh, document says. Why why is this case here? Everyone agrees. Why do we have to make a decision? And I think yeah, they were a little irked by this. Yeah, and, and I think I know they they sent most of it back down. But you need to, people need to understand that. Yeah, we're really happy about this. But what will it be next time that the Supreme Court just decides to to you know is going to be the law? That's what I think we need to be a little bit careful about. Yeah. <laughs> Man. We had, what, I'm not buying you, this. You, what do you mean? You're not buying I'm it. I'm not worried about anything. I mean, it's just the way it is. Mm. It's the way the system works. It has this, these elements. Um, I think it's over, you know, overplayed. I think everyone was a little too enthusiastic. But, you know, they can, they, they're just looking for an excuse to party. <laughs> That's really what it is. It's just an excuse to party. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. By the I, way, so you said you got my clips, and you said you 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 got the same clip, and I yeah. I I, I, th- I can look at my clip list and tell you which one or two it is. No, you, you get one guess and one guess only. Shot spotter. No. Oh, the spinning mummy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was saving that for second half, and we can't be That's doing fine. that now. We'll talk about we can't half. be I doing do that. It, I do want it. Say that I want to bring something up that that apparently, and today's show, my theme is going to be questions they the, the media is supposed to ask and none of them ask. Oh, okay, all right. And so I got the there's a play the clip the Al Qaeda. This is cracked me up when I heard this. Apparently, because of Snowden, Al Qaeda is already changing the way it does business. Well, this so is all this clip. happening. I'm seeing one of the first reports from the Associated Press that goes Woo! into detail about how Al Qaeda specifically. Uh, the group, the, the Al Qaeda group in Yemen, is already changing the way that they're operating due to the information for the leaks. So there's a lot at play here, Ambassador. Uh, we're out of time for today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's nothing. That's nothing. Are you kidding me? Let's. let's, let, let, let's I was gonna. Well, no. Well, wait. Gonna, no, hold on. Hold okay. on. Let me bring out the waterhead for a second. And you know who I'm talking about? John Fitzgerald. John Fitzgerald Carey. Okay, watermelon head. <laughs> watermelon head. What I see is an individual who threatened this country and put Americans at risk through the acts that he took. People may die as a consequence of what yeah, this man did. I had. It is possible the United States will be attacked because Woo-hoo! terrorists may now know how to protect themselves in some way or another that they didn't know before. Uh, this is a very dangerous act. So don't use. Pal talk is basically the message yeah, here. Yeah, that was my punchline. You stepped on it. I'm sorry. I didn't know you had a punchline for my clip. 
No, I had a punchline for my clip, which was the same oh. as a punchline for your clip. Oh, I'm sorry. Why did Al-Qaeda change? I mean, because this is bull crap. I mean, we got one week after this thing breaks, and all of a sudden, they're so on top of Al-Qaeda making all these changes. Why don't they drone them if they know so much? And let me say, I have changed uh, a behavior. I yeah. am, yes, uh, I am, I've disconnected certain computers from the network. Uh, you know, I already run my own mail server. And this, of course, is the definition of tyranny that the government of the United States is not just placing upon uh, us, American citizens, but the entire world. Um, and, and and a lot of people are worried. Uh, the Germans, in fact, are, are very worried about this. They're the only ones actually saying anything about it. Uh, but I uh, am no longer carrying around a cell phone. Uh, and, of course, there are some cases where I, where I will need to travel and have a phone. But I'm just using a, a Wi-Fi-enabled device here at home, and if I go out, I'll take a Wi-Fi thing, and I, if I need to connect, I can. There's no re- if you do, if you want to call me, tough shit. You just you can't call me, you can't text me. Um, I I just refuse to be listened to. I refuse to be tracked, uh, and it's not even if they're doing it in real time. I just refuse to have a log of me. Where I am, I'm just I'm just not going to stand for it. What are you up to anyway, now, Mr. Have, Curry? I have lots of things to hide. Lots of things to hide. Here's the here's the Germans. Um, this is the German minister, I think European Parliament member, who <laughs> who sounds pretty funny, but uh, he's right. GCHQ is alleged to have tapped into fiber optic cables that carry international communications traffic. That's caused anger among some allies. Our concerns are that friends are spying on us, and we want to know, is there a legal basis, and what guy from central casting? <laughs> are our friends spying on us? Does you have? Now check it out, though. This it gets creepy. Um, are you spying on any Germans? Is there a judge involved? But despite all the controversies and criticisms, today the Chancellor announced more money for the intelligence services, including Woo-hoo! MI6 based here, and the Foreign Secretary in America gave a speech in which he defended their work. Let us be clear about it in both our countries. I love the performative. Let us be clear about it. Intelligence work takes place within a strong legal framework. We operate under the rule of law and are accountable for it. In some countries, secret intelligence is used to control their people. In ours, it only exists to protect their freedoms. You know, so I I heard this, and I'm like, if we just... He flubs that billiard ball guy. Yeah, it's the billiard ball guy. See, if we just take away the little flub in the beginning, if we slow him down about five percent, if we give him a little bit of echo, and we put some you know maniacal music underneath him, he he's perfect. Intelligence work takes place within a strong legal framework. We operate under the rule of law and are accountable for it. In some countries, secret intelligence is used to control their people. In ours, it only exists to protect their freedoms. Protect their freedoms. Protect their freedoms. Protect their freedoms. freedoms. I think the guy's a winner. Well, that's clip of the day. (laughs) Really? It was produced, though. (laughs) I like it. You never produce anything. I'll take it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Clip of the day. <laughs> now you made me a, yeah, up the ante on this producing thing. <laughs> I spent at least 45, but I swear to God, I heard the guy going like, protect their freedoms. I'm like, holy crap. And I slowed him down a little bit, put some echo on him. Like, the no, guy. The music is, was good and the echo was ideal. The yeah. guy is the guy is a total. 
Okay, it's so good you've George got to Orwell. play it again. <laughs> oh, wow, okay, I get that again. Woo! I made, oh my goodness, here we go. Intelligence work takes place within a strong legal framework. We operate under the rule of law and are accountable for it. In some countries, secret intelligence is used to control their people. In ours, it only exists to protect their freedoms. Protect their freedoms. Protect their freedoms. Protect their freedoms. <laughs> and I was looking for the whole... It wasn't on C-SPAN. I mean, he, he said this somewhere in America, and I couldn't find the clips. I only had what this to work with. I'm sure we can do more with him. His that voice. guy is such a creep. <laughs> you think? <laughs> he is super creepy. Super creepy. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah. Okay, well, it's all downhill from here, folks. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that. Wow, how fast we go from gay marriage to protect your freedoms. And that's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. Just to protect your freedoms. Have no fear. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, this morning, Miss Mickey and I were talking. I said, "Yeah, I think the Unabomber was really right." <laughs> I come back. You know, I, I I read his manifesto from time to time, and it's it's and the the fun one is the the typed. You, there's a PDF of the typed up. You know his his actual typing because it gives a little more context to how twisted his brain was. But really, I mean, the guy was a genius. He was certified. Was he Harvard or Stanford? I think he was at Harvard. It's Harvard. He came, uh, a friend of mine knew him and found it unbelievable that he'd become such a such a maniac because he thought he, he said he was one of the smartest people he's ever met in his life. Yeah. And I guess he just something flipped. Uh, well, he saw the writing on the wall. And, of course, you know, Unabomber, he was bombing university. He was trying to stop uh, tech, people from buying into technology. And this morning I was like, is it? Do we are we have we really benefited from all of this information and all the things we now know and I make less money. <laughs> but I think the internet screwed us all. It's just the way it goes. But you know, things happen. Things change. What do you mean screwed us all? I think it screwed us. I don't think we. I don't think we. I think our time is being sucked away, like with the Facebook addicts and all this kind of thing. And and I don't notice that I'm better organized with all the computing power I have. In fact, it's a mess in this room, and it's just. I think we've been screwed. I think, and everything's cheapened. I mean, you can't. Writers don't make as much money because everybody's a writer, and they're all bloggers. And some people are actually pretty talented at it. Artists are making less money. Everybody's making less money except CEOs, and they're making way too much. Of course, mm -hmm. and they're going to get screwed when if there's anything. You know, if the, the public begins to riot and put their heads on a stick, which could, could happen. I, I had. A, it's funny you say that. I had a thought. About the CEOs, and and I was thinking this this may start in Silicon Valley. If you look at, let's look at the Snowden uh, affair. And by the way, what's with the Mister Snowden business? See, did a memo go out that everyone has to say Mister Snowden, Mister Snowden, Mister Snowden? Have you noticed so, this? Yeah, I've noticed. I don't, like, what, 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 I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with that. But maybe, maybe he was a hitman all along. And maybe this is this is the beginning of going after the, the, the corporates, the, the dissenters, the ones who need to be reined in. Like, hey, Not sure. be careful, Google. You know, we can we can have the slaves riot against you. There's all kinds of possibilities. You see the uh, the Ars Technica stuff that came out about Snowden, about they 
magically have a um, an IRC chat log from when he was from 2006, I think. Gee, I wonder where they got that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and he's well. There's no. I don't think there's any mention in the article where that comes from. And he's freaking out about uh, the CIA leaking stuff. It's you know, the, and and he's like, well, I I I would I would shoot those guys in the balls, and there's all this really weird stuff. And so this is, of course, he was you know NSA contractor. Um, so it seems like he may have flipped. I mean, there's so many parameters to this. The one thing that is definitely happening is we've been distracted away from the true issue. And so while we're talking about is, you know, is he in is he in the Moscow airport hotel? Is he in China? Is oh, he on to his- watch these idiots go on and on. In fact, I have a couple <laughs> clips just to prove your point. Yeah, please. That they're they're preoccupied with this bull crap. And here's the, uh, let's see, we got a, we got a McCain clip. Let's start with that. Okay, always fun to hear our douchebag. He'd been hiding out ever since, admitting to leaking information on our government's secret surveillance programs. Snowden is wanted in the United States on charges of espionage. Just yesterday, we mentioned this on the show, but just to remind you, Russian President Vladimir Putin confirmed for the first time that Snowden is in a Moscow airport. And he said he's still, Snowden is still. Can I ask a question? Now, did you see him say this? No. Did you see a, a piece of paper? Did you see a representative? Did you no, see anything no. or other than just the, the no, talking? No, there's a piece of, there's a fact that McCain throws out that I've never heard either. I've, you'll see, you'll hear it. It stands out like a sore thumb. This is all bull crap. In this transit area and hasn't gone through immigration, so he's not in Russia. Putin rejecting calls to extradite Snowden to the United States, getting this reaction from Arizona Senator John McCain. Did you notice the report first was that he wasn't in Russia? That's the classic uh, old Soviet Union doublespeak. No, technically, because he was in the uh, lounge <laughs> at the airport, he was not technically in Russia. Look, this, this is the kind of Cold War, old Soviet speak uh, kind of behavior that uh, has characterized uh, Colonel Putin, Colonel in the KGB, uh, for a long time. We just have refused to recognize it, and we keep pushing that reset button, and now maybe we'll wake up and have a realistic approach to our relations with Russia. Um, so, Mr. What does he want us to do, bomb them? Yeah, well, so Mr. Oil is uh, in the back channel here telling me that he saw Putin on television, and Putin was basically making a big joke out of it. Like, yeah, 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 he's in transit. He's not here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but no, I mean, but these guys. I mean, well, this everybody... is this is the problem. We have become the laughing stock. Well, play the Bolton clip if you want to hear the laughing stock. Oh boy! Uh, and let's uh, tell everyone who Bolton is again. Bolton was our ex-U.S. ambassador. who was considered a douchebag when he was running one of the departments in the in Washington D.C. in the government. But he's, he gives a really great speech about the Tenth Amendment. Well, he's got on the right side of the argument. But funny thing is, in this situation, he's on the wrong side of the argument, and he's, a, he's back to being a douchebag. Joining us now, Ambassador John Bolton, former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. and a Fox News contributor, and he just admitted to us during break he's been to the Moscow airport many a times, Ambassador. And we keep on saying Edward Snowden's in this, like, it's some sort of legitimate place like oh he's just in the grocery store he's just on the street i mean what what are we really talking about here 
Well, the notion that because he hasn't gone through Russian customs, somehow he's in a different place than the country called Russia is utterly ridiculous. And, and what makes it so insulting is Putin is a lawyer. He knows it's ridiculous. Uh, Snowden came under Russian jurisdiction when his airplane crossed into Russian airspace. Russian security officials could have opened the cabin door and pulled him off the plane and arrested him. <laughs> they should have kicked him out in the air before they landed. Yeah, yeah well, they could have shot him. <laughs> right? Why doesn't Bolton just take it to the limit? They could have gone in there and shot him like I'd like to see. Hold on. Can I just give you the quick translation of exactly what Putin said on television? Mr. Oil gave it to me. I prefer yeah. not to deal with this issue at all. It's like shearing a pig. Too much squealing, not enough wool. <laughs> that mofo's deep, ain't he? I mean, that's a nobody has said it just brought that up on the mainstream media. <laughs> that is a great that's quote. A good line. That's a quote of the day. It's <sighs> These people are idiots. Then the fact that Russia doesn't have an extradition treaty with the United States is utterly irrelevant. Russia has no, control it's not. over it. <laughs> not irrelevant. Are you squealing like a pig with no wool? You woolless pig. They could deliver him back if they wanted to. They don't want to for several reasons. I think probably the most important, the most dangerous is they're trying to get everything they can off his computers, copying his documents uh, and debriefing him on what he knows personally. So you say what Putin is saying is ridiculous. Do we validate it then with some sort of response or not? Well, I think uh, if, if they don't turn him over, we should start responding. Honestly, we should have started responding to the Chinese when he left Hong Kong. They obviously didn't pay any attention to our diplomacy either. And to the extent there's any chance to influence Russia, it would help to start penalizing China. There are several things we could do. Withdraw our ambassador from Beijing. Withdraw our consul general from Hong Kong. Put um, all... <laughs> is there this, a guy's a, this guy's unbelievable, but this is a. I think I, you're absolutely correct. It's a complete distraction. But but the 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 thing that's kind of interesting is you know is the uh, is this commentary running commentary. And everybody's talking about it from Chip Gregory to everybody else. Oh, oh he's got Chip. four computers, and they're going to steal all the stuff that he knows, and it's going to be a huge disaster. Now, what was the number of people with top secret clearance? You always have it on the top yes. of your head. Well, there's five million Americans with uh, clearance. One and a half million have top secret clearance. Right. One so and a half question. million. Here's the question. I'm going to ask the question the media has never yes, asked. I please, don't... please ask, ask the question. Uh, ask away. I don't know why they don't bring this up, especially when they start talking about, oh, they're going to get his computers <laughs> yeah. and he's going to get oh, debriefed yeah. and he's going to tell them stuff. Yeah. You're telling me. You're telling me that the, the Soviets, the Chinese, the French, the British don't are not one of those five million people no. that have this sort of clearance or the one million that have the top secret clearance already working in one of these agencies all, with smarter skills than, than Snowden, downloading all this stuff. The, the British, the, the, the Russians, the Chinese, they don't need Snowden for anything. They have Everything he's got. They've got and the routers. Anybody doesn't think that's correct. They're crazy. With a million, you know, they're given, they're throwing away these top secret clearances left and right, and nobody thinks that these guys aren't there already getting this stuff. They are. Everybody knows about this except the American public. It's unbelievable. Oh. Not one journalist has ever even asked that question. Oh, John, are you okay? Barely. Yeah. <laughs> well. This is, of course, the entire reason that this is being told right now is, you know, anyone who is, knows anything about technology um, knows a couple things. 
They know all of these possibilities, but they also know the, uh, the inherent weakness, and this is why I thought it was funny that this came out, of the sysadmins. I know a sysadmin who worked in the drone program, and when this sysadmin left to go into uh, private, uh, you know, to work for a private company, this sysadmin was physically sick of working for the drone program because it entailed retrieving pictures of people blown up by drones, by by drone strikes. This person was asked to change the root password for the next sysadmin. This is how dumb this is. And, 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 and now they're going after sysadmins, which is the stupidest thing. You, you, you want real trouble? Mess with those guys. We've always said sys administrators run the world. They, and they keep most things honest. But no, now we're going to have to put all kinds of bull crap there, so it's just going to be even more insecure. If there's only one person you can trust, trust in an organization, that's the sysadmin. That's the only person you can trust. It's the only person who looks away when you type in your password. Everyone else is like, oh, oh, oh. at the stupid, eyeballing it. At the stupid Apple Store, I had to go to the Genius Bar. Oh, jeez. You oh. went to the Genius Bar oh, recently. Yeah. Yes. Did you get a beer. <laughs> uh, it was really. It was a not. A, it was not a good experience because they they don't really fix it. And they, they're condescending. Oh yeah, totally. A little condescending. A little, little weird. Yeah, not, because you're you're not a genius. Not quite. Are. Not quite as condescending as the Ed Show. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can get two in a day. Um. So this is your mainstream media and how they are uh, programming your mind about the about allowing. All of this stuff that the government is actually denying, but which goes way beyond anything they're admitting to, which is why I'm just not, I'm not going to take cell phones with me anymore. Screw it. I'm, not, I'm just done with it. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm disconnecting stuff because I'm just I, screw you. Just, I'm not giving I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to fight this stupidity. So here's the Ed show uh, truly, truly belongs with that clip of uh, of Hague. Uh, as this is your big brother and how the telescreen tells you that it's all okay. I think this kid's a punk. I think he's a coward, and I don't view him as a patriot at all. He's a coward because he won't come home and face the music. And if the United States of America is doing something so egregiously wrong in its surveillance program, how come he's the only one speaking up? You mean nobody else is willing to step up and say we're doing really bad stuff here? Look, the Constitution, yes. Abiding by it, very important. We've been down this road. But basically, as I see this, this is a white bronco chase today is what this is. And we are now balancing the credibility of this guy and the President of the United States. Or this guy and our safety. Uh, I'm going to err on the side of the president. I'm going to err on the side of the safety of the country. I do not believe that we have done things so terribly wrong to keep the country safe that we need to prop this guy up who won't come home and face the music. Because I understand there's a lot of people in America that are willing to support him. He should be empowered by that. Not going to China, not going to Russia, and certainly not seeking asylum. 
This isn't about you, dude. This is about the security of the country. I like that. Isn't about you, dude, dude. The security of all of us. And based on what I saw security. in Washington, D.C. on September 11th, 2001, I'll never forget that smoke coming out of the Pentagon as it just barreled across the city and people screaming and sirens and people scared and everything we've gone after that. I don't know. I just kind of don't want to go through that again. Oh, God. So I don't trust this guy. I don't trust him. Have we made mistakes? Yes. Are we perfect? No. I don't like getting felt up in airports, do you? But sometimes what we have to do is realize that maybe our laws don't keep up with technology. Maybe it's not a perfect world out there. But I do think the United States since September 11th has done a pretty good job of getting it right. I'll go with President Obama and his administration and the NSA over this guy. Until, of course, I get more evidence. Maybe some of his co-workers, maybe a whole department will come out and say, you know, Snowden's right. Don't count on it. Stick around. <laughs> oh, man. What's wrong with that guy? Oh, he's on MSNBC. This, 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 is, this is continuous on MSNBC. It never stops. This, this, oh, this whole uh, Mandela thing. I, now, now, you tell me. Here's a little Ask John, and we can come back to this crap because it's important. But um, this Mandela thing, I think the guy's been dead for a couple days. Um, but they're waiting. Though the president finally, you know, the president had to do his climate change speech and everything. And so he finally, you know, is in Africa. So, you know, I guess he can attend the funeral. So it's like now they're going to, because, you know, we've had uh, everywhere around the world, people have, have stopped and said, oh, you know, we miss Mandela. We're sorry he passed away. There's a whole, there's a whole, a controversy in the in Gitmo Nation lowlands where <laughs> like officials were saying, "Oh, he's dead." Oh no, he's not dead. Oh, he's dead. Oh, oh no, he's not dead. I mean, the whole the whole thing is they're, they're keeping the guy alive until uh, President Obama shows up, no doubt. And here's proof because MSNBC came up with this gem, gem, I tell you, that they repeated several times. We have some developing news that we just have to share. Nelson Mandela's daughter, Zinzi Mandela, tells NBC that she was with Nelson Mandela, that she told him of President Obama's upcoming visit to South Africa. And in Zinzi's words, she told him, quote, Obama is coming. And he opened his eyes and gave me a smile. Oh, oh. Wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's report on this again. Mandela's condition remains critical. His daughter telling NBC News that when she told him of President Obama's upcoming visit to South Africa, that he opened his eyes and he smiled. Oh, this seems like real news, John. Mandela's daughter, Zinzi, spoke to NBC News this morning. After visiting her father, she said he opened his eyes oh, here's and what smiled. Happened. Uh, when she told him about President Obama. I turned on the, uh, can you say something? Because I, I, I screwed up my speaker. Yeah, hold on. Please help me, Adam no, and John. Good. The bastards are trying to kill me. <laughs> you okay? Can you All hear right, me now? Well, Hello? As much as I'm going to hate to find this, but I'm going to have to put oh. uh, some headphones on. Oh, no. What happened? What happened? Oh, oh that's crap. Oh, 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 oh. Well, perhaps we should do a little bit of. Uh, uh, well, do you do you have headphones? Hello, hello. Hmm. Hello. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll just have to wait. Oh, hold on. You back? 
Yeah, with headphones. Oh, well, I mean, do you want to pause? and get, I want you to be comfortable, honey. Oh, thank you, dear. All right, I'll wait. Um, you fix it. Here, we'll just wait. Okay, yeah. you all fixed now? Yeah, it's weird. What happened, honey? Wait, oh, will you quit calling me, honey? Okay, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... Is, is it your sound device? You want me to explain it so people get a little clue about this? Yeah, why not? So I got these speakers that are USB speakers that are from Edify. Mm-hmm. And I've never really screwed around with the volume much, mm-hmm. but there's a button. And uh-huh. you push the button, hold it down, and your volume goes down. Mm-hmm. And I was under the impression you pushed it, and then it cycled back up and went down and up and down. No. I just, now I just figured it out. Uh, apparently, what it, so, so you were not loud enough, and I was fooling around on the console to get it louder because I could barely hear you. So I decided to go and push this button, and it, it turns you down and then off. Ooh, that's not good. And so then I'm pushing the button and then pushing, nothing's happening. So, so then I realized that not, by fooling around, which is the only way you get anything to work in tech, is... Uh, <laughs> yes. Seriously, right? Am yeah, I wrong? Not the, you are correct, sir. Once people get their clue about that, then they're okay. So, I, so you, yeah, so now what I figured out, here's how it works. You push the button and hold it down and it turns the volume down to zero. To turn the volume back up, you have to click on the button, push, 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 over and over. It's incremental steps. Yeah, and so you have to push, 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 because I noticed when I pushed down, I heard a little bit of you, and then it went away, because I had to hold it. It was holding right, it down. Right, right. You, yeah, you, you so were... So then I started rat-a-tatting it, bang, 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 and it came and right up the way it should. Now up. I know how to use now, these okay. things. Okay, good. Well, good. Did you get these mail order? <laughs> <laughs> hey! Did you order them from a catalog? <laughs> That's really good. Very nice. Um, I, I I think we should move on to uh, Chip Gregory. I see you have two clips. I have Chip. He's like, Chip is the, in this regard, I think, we're listening to this thing going, he is a, another spokeshole for the government. Uh-huh. In fact, he is so, he's horrible, horrible person. I didn't realize how much This so. is uh, Chip Gregory who hosts Meet the Press. Uh, which is, I would say, is that not the premier uh, Sunday show? Is that not the one everyone well, wants two, to be? There's, a, there's competitors. And remember, they, 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 they and killed, face the nation. Well, they killed the other guy. They killed the guy who was hosting it. Remember that? Right. Now they, got, they brought Chip in. They yeah, got rid of him. Generally speaking, it was the top one. Face the nation was the competitor, and that's with Bob Schieffer, who's yeah. damn near as bad, only he's just kind of senile. What's um, what? Uh, who's Chip Gregory married to again? He's married to some one of our favorite people. Yeah, what's his real name? Uh, David Gregory. Okay, David, David Greg. I th- isn't he married to like some douche douchette? I think so. I think because he, he he truly is a Washington insider, and he's he's kind of the definition here. David Gregory, also known as Chip, born August twenty fourth, nineteen seventy. Uh, I miss. He was on I miss in the morning. Okay, meet the press. Where's his personal personal life? Uh, Oh, yeah. Married to federal prosecutor, former Fannie Mae executive vice president, Beth Wilkinson. That's right. Right. Okay. That's right. That's right. Yeah. She's, she's screwing us from the, from, the, from the back door. He's doing it through, into our face. All right. Okay. Yeah, so I, I see you have a very short clip of Chip. Is this the? Yeah. The, well, I just thought this was a d- disgusting way he asked this question. Oh, the short yeah, clip. It's yeah. just him asking a simple question. That I, and he was serious in that 
he, he was flabbergasted because he is an insider and probably works for one of the agencies from what I can tell. But pl just play the clip and I'll explain what you, well, you can hear what, it, what it's about. What else does he intend to do? You have been in contact with him. Is there additional information he is prepared to leak to bolster his and your claim that he is actually a whistleblower and not a criminal responsible for espionage? Sure, I think the, the key definition of whistleblower is somebody who brings to light what political officials do in the dark that is either deceitful or illegal. Interesting. You didn't like the... the no, no, no. Did you, that's not the clip I was looking for. Well, it says... Was two, that clip one or two? Clip one. Where's the short clip? on? Wait, hold on. Let me that, find That the is the short clip. No, there's a shorter one. This is only 22 seconds. Well, there's one that's even shorter. Oh, What's well, the shortest thing I got on this list? Well, I, that I don't know. I don't have to say uh, I have. I there it is. Here it is. Oh, no. This, I'm sorry. This is Schieffer that's, that, that does the short oh, one. This is, oh. I, I mixed the two up. Gregory wasn't as bad as this question. This is the worst. Bart, I want to just ask you uh, to start off the threshold question. Why did the Washington Post think it should publish this story? <laughs> No, no, no. Let me let me let's let's, let's go back to okay, Chip. Let me, let, me, let me go back to Chip Gregory. This is what, I'm, I'm sure you saw this in the Greenwald interview. Oh yeah. And this is and this is his question with Greenwald's answer. Um, to the extent that you have aided and abetted Snowden, <laughs> even in his current with it, and aided and abetted is a technical term uh, for to, for treason term. for treason. And well, aided and abetted, not just treason, any crime. You could do aided and abetted oh. a, a bank robbery. Right. Movements. Why shouldn't you, Mr. Greenwald, be charged with a crime? Mr. Greenwald. If, what is this Mr. Mister stuff? I want to be Mr. Curry. I think it's pretty extraordinary that anybody who would call themselves a journalist would publicly muse about whether or not other journalists should be charged with felonies. The assumption in your question, David, is completely without evidence, the idea that I've aided and abetted him in any way. The scandal that arose in Washington before our stories began was about the fact that the Obama administration is trying to criminalize investigative journalism by going through the, the emails and phone records of AP reporters, accusing a Fox News journalist of the theory that you just embraced, being a co-conspirator with felony in felonies for working with sources. If you want to embrace that theory, it means that every investigative journalist in the United States who works with their sources, who receives classified information, is a criminal. And it's precisely those theories and precisely that climate that has become so menacing in the United States is why the New Yorker's Jane Mayer said investigative reporting has come to a standstill, her word, as a result of the theories that you just referenced. Well, the question of who's a journalist may be up to a debate with regard to what you're doing and of course anybody who's watching this understands I was asking a question that question has been raised by lawmakers as well I'm not embracing anything uh, but obviously I take your point all right so to me we play the douchebag clip yeah you're absolutely right to me this is spy versus spy you got the white spy and the black spy and, and clearly we've got opposite sides and this is a message this is a message to you, Rudy, to every single reporter out there, which is basically fuck off because because you <laughs> because we got your number, you know. Yeah, and we got your phone calls, we got your yeah. phone records, we got yeah. it all for the last five years. We've got it because this show is you know this show is not uh, is not live. They didn't have to leave that in that little tete a tete, so they put that in for the express reason of putting every single journalist on notice. And for putting every whistleblower on notice, it's funny. I got a um, you know, there's a uh, the uh, the very first whistleblower that President Obama 
had arrested. His trial is uh, coming up. And uh, oh, I just wanted to give you the name because uh, I was talking to someone who knows his dad. And uh, here we go. Is this it here? Mm, here it is. No. Nah. Sorry, I I can't find it that quickly. I'll 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 find it. But it was the oh yeah here it is newly elected. Uh, this is an article from two thousand nine. Uh, freshly elected freshman election night victory. That the president has charged another former government employee with violating the Espionage Act, and this guy's name is Hitzelberger. You ever hear of this guy? No. Okay, so he pleaded not guilty, and uh, what happened is he left the service. And he went home and he had some documents and uh, they said, oh, you took those documents because you were going to you know, sell them to the Chinese. <laughs> and they locked him up. Yeah. Locked well, they locked up, up that, that NSA guy, the CIA guy, yeah. too. Lock him up. Lock him up. And they lock all these people up. I mean, but, of course, this is a unbelievably uh, well, fascistic. But doesn't it work both ways? You know where the government says... If you have nothing, to, if you have you know nothing to hide, then you know. Then yeah, you should, no, but they that's, they won't listen to that argument from their perspective. But if but if we say, well, if you have nothing to hide, why don't you show everything? Then all of a sudden, it's the smoke billowing out of the Pentagon. Which, by the way, uh, aside from the people in there, it would be a pretty good start. I mean, please, this is getting annoying. I'll tell you, this is uh, yeah, I, it's, it's bad. I think, but I think you're right. The, the Gregory here, who should be fired for even asking the question the way he did, he literally should be fired yeah. because it's it's like he's not a what kind of a kind of a journalist or or host is he to, to ask a question like that and assume the guy he's talking to is a criminal, uh, and then oh, well, that's not what I meant. <laughs> no, he even, crap. He even so it's what the legislature what he made it worse by saying that's not what I meant. But this is what all the lawmakers are saying. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. It's really disgusting. Um, now, here is something interesting. I, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole um, uh, with the connection. Of course, you know, I, I, I went back and I looked at John Young. You know, Before you go down the rabbit hole, no. maybe we should thank some producers. This is a very good idea. Yeah, in the morning to you, John C. Dvorak. Well, in the morning to you, Adam Curry. In the morning to all ships at sea, boots on the ground, feet in the air, subs in the water, and all the dames and knights out there, and everyone in between. Yes, and and in between those uh, people are also our human resources in the chat room, no agenda show dot uh, no agenda stream dot com, no agenda chat dot net. Well, dot com was down last night for several hours. Squarespace went down. Oh, really? Yeah, which never happens. I've never seen that. I have not seen it either. And I don't know no, if it was... No wonder donations were off. But I couldn't log in and, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure... Well, I'm that's sure bound to us. happen to everybody once in a while. I Yes. But you see how it hurts us immediately, you know? Gary uh, Whitehead, though, with $333.33 from Brunei. All right. Oh, nice. Been a while since I donated because you never gave my Swazilnuff karma. What? I don't know. Well, then let me hand it to you now. 69, 69, dude. You've got karma. There you go, enough karma. Yeah, but unfortunately he's in Brunei. Anyway, <laughs> he says the show is too outstanding, in all caps, you mean for that, me to remain forever bitter. You, do you mean that Swazilnuff is illegal in Brunei? Probably. probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, Michael uh, Slizinger. 
I think it's Slizinger. It could be Sli- Sli- oh, sounds right. Sly Singer, but oh. Slizinger sounds like. 255, uh, be an associate executive producer from Macomb, Michigan. Hey, guys, answering the call and making an extra emergency donation in addition to my weekly subscription. I think this probably came in as a Sunday one, so I have to give them credit for a second uh, uh, producership on July 4th. Mm-hmm. I thought Thursday's uh, episode 523 was particularly great, oh. especially the Charlie Rose interview breakdown. Now that I'm a show producer, I'd like to encourage you to start every show by immediately jumping into analysis of the recent news. What is it we do? Isn't that what we do? Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> I think this will help new listeners catch on to the show. Okay, I think that's kind of what we've been trying. We, we could be wrong. Well, sometimes we talk about your dinner parties. And, yeah, I try not to see that. I think, those are, I think people like that more than they like the news. It's less depressing. <laughs> I'm not trying to depress people. I'm trying to. I'm trying to entertain. Luke from Munich, uh, Deutschland, two fifty two fifty two. Please refer to me as Luke from Munich, All not right. Munich. <laughs> not Munich. I, I only want to ask for a birthday shout out for my thirtieth on Thursday. Yeah. P.S. On the first of June, I sent you sixty nine sixty nine. I believe you missed it. It could have been. Uh, well, we'll look into it. But yeah, maybe. We did make good. That, yeah. All those 69, 69s that we missed, I think we caught you. you know, in so, that. Sometimes we get people saying, "Man, I, you know, you didn't read my my donation, my birthday," and then we go back and say, "Well, here it is. You can hear it on the recording." Yeah, yeah there's a lot of that actually. It, it, it CP does happen. It does happen. It does this happen. is uh, Sir Sharky, Doctor Sharky, our buddy in Jackson, Tennessee. He's been two, uh, Sir. Two, yeah, he's a knight. Two, three, four, five, six. I think he's up to. Baronet, yeah. There are a growing number of physicians who do not participate in government health care programs like Medicare, Medicaid, etc. <laughs> Medicare, he says. <laughs> this is how doctors talk. Oh, Medicare, yeah. This is how doctors talk. This is That's, interesting. This is interesting. Yeah, Medicaid. Uh, the majority of these keep your medical records in paper charts. By the way, my doctor told me that uh, they had to go to electronic everything yep. or they couldn't do any Medicare billing. Yeah, I know. The government has come to give them a one-year notice that you, got, every one of you doctors, you've got to put everything down uh, in, a, in a computer or else. Mm-hmm. And so obvious what they're up to here. They're trying to get everyone's medical records on top of everything else so they can blackmail us. Yeah. The majority of these... There's independence. Uh, keep medical records in paper charts, not electronic records. Thus, the NSA, CIA, and President Obama cannot snoop in real time unless they perform a breaking and entering after hours. The Pentagon, FBI, etc., have all been hacked. Does anyone really believe that an EHR electronic health record is safe from prying eyes? I would encourage all our pre-drunk, pre-diabetic, pre-donors, and our fine producers to find a doctor that doesn't use a government-approved yeah. health care record, yeah. but instead uses paper charts. ITM Dr. Sharkey. So, uh, Sir Dr. Sharkey sent me a number of links, and there's a huge scare campaign now going on. You know, all of this, all of this cyber crap, it's all you know a big money play, and of course some of it's true, but there's article after article. I have, I think, five of them in the show notes, 525.nashownotes.com. Um, virus found in heart defibrillators. Um, you know, oh, you're, you know, the medical devices can be attacked. They can be hacked. Oh, we had to clean all, you know, all the computers because, you know, there was a, you know, a virus got on. Oh, you know, they, they could come in and, and control you and kill you. It's just, it goes on and on forever. This big, big 
<laughs> big business, this. Big business. It's, so a, it's wants, a bonanza, and we're not in it, of course. No, of course not. We're no, just get, no. getting by. Uh, he wants some karma for his wife's aunt suffering from terminal leukemia, and his uncle just had a stroke, lost vision in one eye. Oh, so a little well, karma would well, be hold useful. Hold on a second. So, I mean, for the leukemia, isn't that the, I think that qualifies as, a, as an F cancer, so I'm going to... Got karma. Hey, man. Yeah, Sir Dr. Shark, he's good, man. And it's good to have these guys on the inside uh, who who tell you what's going on. And I agree. Um, but w- now we have, Ms. Mickey has a doc. You know, women need, I think women, it's important for women to have, uh, uh, I think they just need more help than men in general, I think. It's my feeling, my experience. Keep digging. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm up to my neck. Um, and And so all of the, and we have Blue Cross. All of the approved doctors, they all have um, you know, electronic records. And we like, no, we don't want, you know, we don't, don't want to do that. And then she had to have her procedure. Uh, and they're like, uh, well, no, you got to sign in on the website. I'm like, no, we're not doing that. And we go in, you know, they're like, no, if you don't do it on, you can't have your procedure done. So she has one doctor who is, you know, really good. He's the guy that got the compounded stuff uh, for her thyroid that's made locally here in Austin, tailored to her specific uh, situation. Yeah, those guys are under attack, yeah. those compounders. Well, well uh, neither the compounded medication or that doctor is covered by the insurance. We have to pay that out of pocket. So I'm paying twice, essentially. Figures. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's so, yeah, don't get me started. James Crossett in St. Louis, Missouri, two twenty two twenty two. I couldn't find a note from him, and uh, he uh, and there was nothing in the email. But uh, thank you, Chris Hefley, at two eleven dollars uh, and twenty cents in Galleon, Ohio. First time donor, but uh, like leaving a gentleman's club. Hopefully, only a semi boner. <laughs> <sighs> I need to thank Peter C. Norwood for hitting me in the mouth several months back. I figured after listening to one of those 300 episodes where John was describing a Berkeley Hummer that had me laughing so hard I had to stop mowing my lawn that it was time, I decided it was time to donate. Your show is true value for value. No seeds required. I cannot imagine not listening now, so I have to do my part. $211.20. I would like some front row tickets karma for the three rush shows i'm about to attend (laughs) (laughs) okay all right here you go (laughs) excellent you've got karma (laughs) he's got a uh, he's got a birthday call out coming up we've got that covered that should be known Uh, as the as the tom sawyer karma and i can't believe he just said front row ticket karma that's not right he she is a huge she's not a huge fan of the show's daughter uh she's 12 for uh-huh. some reason, but it's not for lack of trying. One thing she would like to hear is the original mac and cheese song, oh. which always makes her laugh. The original mac and cheese. Does that mean your mac and cheese? Uh, I think she's, she's talk, there wasn't there a mac and cheese song. Oh, hold on. Oh, God. Anyway, he says that uh, we have the best thing going and he really appreciates the show. You can play my mac and yeah, cheese. Well, thing. I'd love to play it if, if my if, if, if my mac hadn't completely frozen at this point. Well, put some cheese on it. All right. Hold on a second. True mac and cheese. The living the mac and cheese life is what you want. And uh, this is, oh, my God, this is really not... Oh, come on, please. Living in the 
Mac and Cheese by Ayn Rand. And then as a bonus... Chief, among many other things, she joined the Times <laughs> from the Wall Street Journal in 1997. Jill Abramson, congratulations <laughs> and welcome. Thank you so much, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, hey. There's we, your Hummer. There's your Hummer right there. You're welcome. Symbio Agency, Inc., uh, $210 from Hollywood, California. My contribution is long overdue. Your shows have gone to a new level with the analysis and deconstruction, which could only take place after years of experience. Please wow. de-douche me. Absolutely. <laughs> You've been de-douched. So ho Hollywood, we don't get a lot of donations from Hollywood, California. No, no they're too busy looking at hookers. <laughs> Michael Levin, he's the Symbio agency. I wonder if I can get a bit part. Maybe I need a, an agent. <laughs> I think they're, they're for pets. Oh. I, don't th I don't think they do. do they represent Michael Le Leve Levine, Levin, Michael Levin, 200 bucks, Brooklyn. Uh, ITM, John and Adam, I'll keep it short, value for value, and no water, no blankets, just send some family karma. You've got karma. Uh, finally, Daniel uh, Miller. I have a note. He's in Knoxville, Tennessee. We've got two Tennessee producers today. Isn't that interesting? The home of your buddy, Al Gore. Dear Guardians of Reality, fact, the show has been groin-grabbingly good lately. I found the Adobe white paper that Adam highlighted to be very useful for hitting people in the mouth. Yay. Please use this donation to bribe the El Cerrito Post Office to give you Post Office Box 33. <laughs> it's a government facility, so this should work. Also, please wish my dad a happy birthday on June 30th. You're going to have to put his dad, Dan Miller's dad, put him on the list. Okay. <laughs> Hold on a second. Uh, Dan Miller. Is he, he's not on there? No, he wouldn't be. No, okay. No, Dan yes. Miller. When is he? When's his birthday? Uh... The 30th. 30th. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, it should work. Should be able to bribe the post office. Hey, here's a hundred, babe. <laughs> hey, girls. <laughs> hey, girls. <laughs> I've had so many people come up to me about that one. <laughs> the, the, and well, this is why we don't do video. Yeah, it would, it would yeah. ruin it. It would ruin it. Then you, you, yeah, we you can't do video. Videos. This yeah. is besides this is, that. Everyone's listening to the show. I mean, most of the video uh, podcasts, people jerk when we were doing Cranky Geeks, which was a pure video podcast in a studio. Uh, Seventy-five percent of the people were just downloading the MP3 file. They never watched it. No, not exactly. That because there's, who has time? Who has time? Oh, I'm sorry, chat room. <laughs> who, who who has time to actually watch? For three hours. Are you crazy? Yeah, it's a three-hour show. It's ridiculous. You can put yeah. it on your little MP3 and yeah. put it, play it in the car when you're driving around, oh, is whatever. That, is that how it works? I just want to so sure. that's anyway. We want to thank our executive producer and our executive producers for show 525, which is a nice number that we could have uh, gotten some play with. Yeah. Uh, and I want to remind people to go to Dvorak.org slash NA channel, Dvorak.com slash NA. Also, the No Agenda Show website has a donate button as well as the No Agenda Nation website. Uh, click there and help us out for the Sunday show, which is generally coming slow. up. Slow. It's going to be slow. Slow, but th this slow. is good. This today's was. Th we know we have a lot of producers. The overall numbers aren't aren't that great, and right. I think we're entering in the the, the the doldrums here for a month or so. The dog days. I also want to thank Go all September. of. I want to thank all of our producer, uh, our artists, um, Sab Swiss, 
I think someone who was new to the mix. We used Sab's art on the previous episode of the of the program, 524. Appreciate that. You can see all the art at noagendaartgenerator.com. Couple of quick PR. Wow. Hello. Can you back it off a little? I Wow. That was a loud ring. This thing's a mile away from the mic, but I, I think <laughs> yeah. maybe the mic's pointing at it. Uh. A couple of PR mentions. Uh, one, uh, there is a and now uh, one of our producers, Mathieu, Mathieu Gigi, has set up an automatic uh, no agenda to YouTube conversion system. So the minute a show hits the RSS feed, it's converted, uploaded to YouTube. But check this. He does it uh, sped up, which I, I don't know. I don't like that. Personally, a lot of people. But is it sped up with the right tonal balance? It's well, no. It's uh, well, it's no, no. It's it's sped up like most of these players do. You know, players can play back at one and a half speed. Right. I don't. Do you like that? I don't like that. I don't. I've never understood why people do that. I think you're missing a lot of the art. You know, it's like it's like looking at the Mona Lisa with your with your sunglasses on. You know, no, no, looking at the Mona Lisa using Google uh, Street View. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a better analogy. Thank you. And but you I, can do that. You yeah. can actually go into the. Yeah. I believe the Louvre is available well, on I, Google. I think the Louvre was the first website ever. I remember pitching Reebok and say, "How uh-huh. can you not be here? Here's the Mona Lisa," <laughs> and it worked. And let's walk by the uh, other paintings. That's right. Uh, also, so th- uh, anyway, thank you very much, uh, Mathieu. And the link in the show notes, of course, under the PR section. Um, uh, Scott says, uh, in the morning, Adam and John, just letting you know that I'm continuing to propagate the message. Uh, I guess he means formula by releasing my first Kindle giblet. It's called Foot on the Shore. <laughs> and it's a story about an old man and his dog who find a severed foot on a beach. Unfortunately, the deal I had to publish one day in Gitmo Nation, which is a great book, has fallen through, but I'm working on getting it republished myself, and I have a few other No Agenda stories in the works, including uh, one called Death by Auto Pen. Keep up the great work. I've attached the Kindle version of the latest story for you both, and uh, so be on the lookout for that, uh, for the No Agenda uh, giblet in the uh, Amazon store. And there is, uh, and this is all your fault, and, 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 and I, I'm very thankful... Um, we now have a No Agenda Texas meetup announcement. <laughs> Hi, everybody. A group of the No Agenda producers is putting on a Texas No Agenda meetup. We want slaves like you charged up and ready to attend. And the link, because they have uh, the website, is noagendatexas.com. And you should check this out. <laughs> Go to... <laughs> They've improved it. <laughs> remember, remember that this September, John fires black powder shot. <laughs> okay, what's the name of this URL? Noagendatexas.com. <laughs> event details. Oh, let me see what's going on with the event. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, so anyway, so they're working on... <laughs> Yeah, very funny. Anyway, so they're working on something, but I'm I'm leaving this up yeah, to by you. By the way, I, I don't know what the what the guys got there, but that is not a black powder gun. It looks like a, a bad unless ass. it's some new modern version. It could be, could be. I don't know what that is. Why why not? Why why wouldn't yeah, you do that? You got a really long scope. I don't know what the deal is with that, but I think it's just funny. I just love. The I think that's not scope. That's not a scope. That's you shoot the black powder, and then you put your mouth on that thing and suck in the <laughs> the, the 
pile of smoke flying off of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. Isn't that yeah, funny? Right on. Dvorak.org. <laughs> Slash N-A. Hey, no matter what you do, we always ask you to go out and do this important thing, which is propagate our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. All right, rabbit hole, quick little rabbit hole. Hit it. All right, so rabbit hole is we... Now, we know that um, uh, John Young, who runs Cryptome.org, left WikiLeaks in 2007 and said, "Uh, you guys are a CIA front, I want nothing to do with you. Um, And, you know, we... We have gone through this ad nauseum about the Julia Assange's background, um, you know, pretty much just feeling like you know, the way it came down, the way the documents were published in in in, in newspapers and not online. It's there's, there's, CIA there's also, front. There's also some code thing going on where they're calling him Assange. Have you noticed this? No. I have, is it Mr. Assange? No, just the Julian Assange. And the hmm. guy, the CIA guys are calling him this. And the whole thing is fishy. Interesting. I have not heard this. Yeah, in fact, who's the, who's the douchebag that was the head of the agency for some period of time, under, I think under Bush? Uh, I can't remember his name, but it, uh, Wool, it was Woolsey or something Woolsey. like that. Yeah, Woolsey. Woolsey. He's back and in the And he picture. came on yeah. some show going yeah. on and on about something or other, and he called him Assange. So the Assange hmm. and Manning needed to be thrown in the slammer. Hmm. Anyway, go on. So I'm looking at the uh, the reports coming in and how WikiLeaks is now basically claiming Mr. Snowden as their own. And uh, uh, and this woman appears. What I see is... Oh, I'm sorry. That's not that woman. That's uh, That was the waterhead. Um, here it is. This is what I wanted. Legal advisor to WikiLeaks. She joins me here live from London. Jennifer, thank you for uh, for coming on. And and I just have to ask first couple of questions. Uh, where is Edward Snowden right now? Now, this woman, uh, her name is. Uh, was Jennifer Robinson. And she is a lawyer, and so and let's listen to what she says, and then let's go down the hole. As Julian Assange confirmed this afternoon on the telephone conference call, he is in direct contact with WikiLeaks, but at this stage they are not disclosing where he is. He is in good health, he's in high spirits, we understand, but they are not disclosing his whereabouts. Can you tell me where he would like to go? Priority number one. I understand my instructions are, and oh. as has been widely reported, that he has now <laughs> sought asylum from Ecuador and has made an application exercising his legal right under international law to seek asylum. Uh, that is now a matter for the, for the Ecuadorian government. This entire interview, she's saying, my instructions are, this is what I have been told to relate to you. I am a moron. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, who is this woman? So Jennifer Robinson is a lawyer. And she is the legal director for the Bertha Foundation. BerthaFoundation.org. Go to this website. And this is this is a very, very interesting... Uh, in fact, I'm going to go there myself. Um, they hand out money to all kinds of groups, but it, it, there's no information about who's behind it. No inf- How do you spell this? B-U? B-E. Bravo, no. Echo, Romeo... Uh, Tango Hotel Alpha. 
Bertha Foundation was established in 2010 by a family who believes that bright ideas combined with resources and strong leadership can create profound social impact. We believe in the power of social activism to generate social, political, economic, and environmental change. We believe in passionate individuals and projects that can affect change on a local or global scale. Now, these are the people who paid for this woman to represent WikiLeaks and Mr. Snowden. Well, let's, let, let me mention a couple other things. One, the, the, the art on the webpage people should check out. There's a bunch of people in a circle, a bunch of kids, and it looks like they're maybe African. Yeah. And then there's a woman with a camera wearing a headscarf, and she appears to be a Muslim. I don't know what the point of that is. And then there's a quote from Peter Gabriel uh-huh. on this on the right-hand side. Uh-huh. So this thing is very... Uh, now, now, go to grantees, John. If you click on grantees up there at the top, and they have... And they also have a weird logo with a B in the middle of it. Yep. So there's so they're kind hand- of a, a fascist-looking thing. Oh, yeah. So they're handing out money to the Sundance Institute the Ubuntu Education Fund. But here's what's interesting. There is no record of the Bertha Foundation that I could find as a nonprofit in the United States, even though they claim to be a nonprofit foundation. Well, I don't uh, see that they're claiming that. Where do they claim that? Uh, uh, um, uh, if you look at about... Um, they well, then I'm sorry. They're not talking about being a nonprofit. We believe philanthropy is more than science, and we focus on people and their vision. We try to be trailblazers in finding daring opportunities. And you look at the grantees, and it's it's basically propagandistic, uh, right down to the Ubuntu Education Fund, which I think is is the African uh, thing. Now, the Ubuntu Education Fund, they receive a lot of money. They receive like a million dollars just from. The Bertha Foundation. But who is the Bertha Foundation? That's all I really want to know. Oh, by the way, on the grantees page, there's a quote from Harry Belafonte. Radical thought is the energy of the universe. Now, it's not saying that Harry Belafonte is a member of the Bertha Foundation. No, they just put a quote on there. I could do that myself if I wanted to. And then if you look at, um, uh, they have all of these crazy, like, news stories. Let me see. Our focus... Uh, they have a thing called We Own TV. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, this is, lo- we aim to, ins- here, lawyers and legal activists, and we aim to inspire and enable the work of socially minded lawyers and are committed to strengthening the field of public interest law. So so I, now, now I go on a search for hours to find out, you know, is there a family called Bertha? Yeah, who are these people? Who are these people? And why don't they just disclose that on their website? They do say, we do not fund animal rights welfare organizations, crisis and disaster relief, genetic and rare diseases, governments, large-scale scientific or social research, political candidates and campaigns, religious organizations, universities in the developed world. So, But they do fund WikiLeaks, apparently, because they're paying for WikiLeaks' legal help. And I run into a woman who is featured as a part of the Ubuntu Foundation, a video on one of these bull crap, you know, sites. And her name is Lara Tabatsnik. Yes, you can't make it any crazier than that. And she is the CEO and founder of the Bertha Foundation. Here's a Ah, you finally got to the bottom of it. It's kind of like a fake Ted. Being in the position to be able to create change is something 
I feel is a privilege and a responsibility. I'm Lara Tabatsnik, um, founder and CEO of the Bertha Foundation. One of the trips I did this year was um, out in rural Kenya. One of the schools we went to is probably the poorest one I've ever been to in my life. It was literally two mud structures and all the kids were out on the lawn. The principal asked this one little boy to stand up and they, everyone started clapping. And this boy, up until about a week ago, he was 11 or 12, um, used to come to school naked because he couldn't afford a uniform. All right, so do you get the point? She's full of shit. She's talking about, what are you talking about? <laughs> she's the, got that, that kind of fake oh, accent. Oh, and then and I'm like, okay, what is going on with this woman? The only thing I can find, so the uh, BerthaFoundation.org is registered to her at what I presume is her address of 70 Washington, um, hold on a second, it is 70, I think Washington Street in Brooklyn, New York, Penthouse H, and if you look at it, this is a $2.5 million penthouse, but this is just some rich woman who likes to help black kids with no clothes and finances this stuff, and, and you cannot find a single thing about her. She is invisible as far as anything Bertha Foundation goes. She has a wiki page, um, which only references the Ubuntu Education Foundation. The whole thing is like, what is going on? And where are these people coming from? Who are they? And why are they funding this? Laura Tabaznik. And you found what? Nothing. <laughs> well, this is this is not good. <laughs> no, this is this is this is actually very very bad because we have an unknown group with unknown financiers providing legal and spokeshole assistance to WikiLeaks and Mr. Snowden. <clears throat> I do have his. Uh, you're going to love this. Uh, I have inside information that uh, the same PR firm that handles uh, Mr. Assange will now also be handling Mr. Snowdon, and that is um, Fitzgibbon Media. And you need to take a look at their site. Okay. Uh, Fitzgibbon is F-I-T-Z GibbonMedia.com. And their clients uh, is a veritable who's who of douchebags, uh, the Courage Campaign, who, of course, were very big on uh, on the gay marriage thing. Uh, the Invisible War, Demand Action to End Gun Violence, MoveOn.org, Amnesty, Safer Chemicals, Healthy Families, Common Cause, America's Voice. Uh, it goes on and on and on. Democracy for America. So this is a uh, uh, this is one of the true Washington Insider PR campaigns, and they already represent. Mr. Assange uh, and WikiLeaks, because, you know, of course, you know, the, the huge organization, I guess, I guess they just have money coming out of their assholes. And they will now be doing the PR for uh, Mr. Snowdon. Interesting is they have a, um, so they've done like exposingbackpage.com, and so they're, they're real policy guys. Uh, they have a, uh, what we do, you should read this. Um, they have something called Artist Action, uh, connecting causes with like-minded artists to raise awareness and inspire action. This is how uh, people like Bono and REM and you know get involved. 
by recruiting musicians, artists, and celebrities to elevate progressive causes, Artist Action adds a powerful new element to advocacy and outreach efforts that when combined with Fitzgibbon Media's earned media, you know what that is, right? No. Oh, this is how they calculate how much uh, they should you they, they charge their clients. So, oh, one of these operations. Yeah. Well, this is an old idea that comes and goes in public relations. We should explain it. Yes. Uh, so the way I understand it, and then uh, you jump in, is they go out and they promote something, and it'll say, okay, we're going to have um, Bono uh, talk about um, how we need uh, WikiLeaks to be freed. Uh, Julian Assange needs to be freed. And there'll be five you know 50 stories and they'll go and they'll measure the actual size of the stories in print the time that was spent on the stories on the news uh and the number of web pages and let's say if you had to buy banners uh, commercials and other forms of advertising it would cost this much money to get this much exposure almost oh okay what did i miss uh well what how it really works and i Actually, this is 20 years old, this information from the guy, one of the guys who invented this idea, although this has come and gone in the in public relations. Generally speaking, it's looked down, down upon, but they actually have a fee schedule that they present the client. They say, here's the deal. We're going to be representing you. And here's the fee schedule. In other words, if you get an article in the Wall Street Journal, because, you know, because of what we did and actually anything that happens once you sign on with these guys, whether it was because of us, or because somebody in the Wall Street Journal actually wanted to know, uh, is what's going to cost you. And the Wall Street Journal will be worth like, a, you know, $1,500 for that article and a, a couple of this. And they don't actually go through any trouble measuring anything. It's just that if you're in the Wall Street Journal, you have to pay us this much money. And, and essentially the, you just people sign on to that they don't there's not much work involved in this except to you know tracking all all the places where something showed up you get you right. get a guest spot on msnbc you have to pay five grand uh and all the rest of it and then it's just a it's a pretty straightforward business but it's really sleazy and i would like to point out that um as far as i know the celebrities that i've known who have participated in stuff like this they get paid they get paid for their participation. If you look at the site here, you see Artist Action. Introducing Artist Action, let's see. Uh, Sir Paul McCartney backs the Global Zero movement, which is... Uh, now, he may not have received payment for it, but he was recruited. Um, let's see. Do we have any... Oh, they have a they have a video here? Oh, they might have a little promo. They have a little promo. That would be cool. I didn't realize that. No, it doesn't seem to be working. Uh, artists we've worked with. R.E.M., Pearl Jam, Tom Morello, Rise Against... Uh, Rise Against... Hmm. Uh, Jason Mraz, Steve Earle, The Roots, Alicia Keys, Yoko Ono, Chris Cornell, Paul McCartney, Ozo Motley. Oh, man, I'm showing my age. Dirty Projectors, Jackson Brown, Serge Tankian, Talib Kweli, Alabama Shakes, Dave Matthews. Artist Action adds a powerful new element to advocacy. Uh, when combined with Fitzgibbon's media earned media and digital strategies can tip the scales, cause a campaign to stand out and reach a much wider audience. Yeah. So in other words, what you're saying and what I believe is they're selling here is that these bands have sold out to these guys. Correct. Correct. And so when you have, they'll, they'll, for one thing, they'll do a, uh, uh, even though they will get paid, but they'll do a, uh, a, a benefit for one yeah. of these operations the drop yes. of a hat they'll get exactly. paid exactly they'll get paid but they'll do the benefit and then while doing the benefit they'll be saying things on stage like this is great what they're doing yeah <laughs> yeah have you been a part of this 
<laughs> so they have case studies, and this was the uh, exposingbackpage.com, child sex trafficking in our own backyard. Do you remember how big this campaign was? Well, these guys, they do that. Now, I'm not saying that this is bad, but they, you know, th- th- it's certainly not transparent as how it's happening. This was Fair Girls paid for the campaign, which was uh, partnered with Change.org, SignOn.org, the Polaris Project, and Aub- something called Auburn. And they, they essentially show how they uh, attacked Backpage. You know, this, and, and so you may think that when you're watching television, uh, you know, that, oh, man, these, these, you know, this, it kind of started with We Are the World and Artists United Against uh, Sun City. Yeah, hands across America. <laughs> There's a million of these. And, and this, it's all bogative. It's all it's bogative. Totally, well, we've been saying that for five years. I know, but to advertise it and say, hey. Oh, yeah, no, actually, if we would do, if we, yeah, we could find all of these operations. So I think. I think exposing them once in a while is a good thing. And this is a great example. I mean, these guys are pay pay for play. In other words, you get your yeah, thing, yeah. pay, which is one way, which is a sleazy way to do public relations, by the way. Mm-hmm. But it just, you know, some people think it's a better deal. It turns out not to be. And then to have all these sellouts, which you just named, Dave Matthews, Jackson Brown. R.E.M. R.E.M. I've always suspected that guy. Well, there you have it. And uh, Jimmy Wales now has uh, said, oh, you know what? We're going to break the Wikipedia rules, and we're going to track uh, who was using the Snowden talk page. Remember, you're supposed to be able to be anonymous. Uh, uh, You know, there's no tracking of Wikipedia editors. And so, no, 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 not Jimmy Wales. No, he's the protector of the, the book of knowledge. He'll go and he'll try and track him down. Yeah. I don't think the guy, I think, you know what, I'm not even sure the Snowden exists. <laughs> I, I'm not even sure. I mean, it, could a, be a, it could be a scam. It could be, well, it could be a beautiful scam. We don't know, scam. we've never met him. No, I have no no idea whatsoever. No idea whatsoever. Of course, you know, th- th- that kind of thinking falls, I have a clip, which I just cracked it. I didn't want to clip this whole thing because it was really, really kind of odd, but... Uh, there's a clip with, which is the, it's called the Idiotic Puff Piece for Google. The person that you're going to be listening to here is a woman who I – probably a high-paid executive at Google. Sounds just like a moron. And they're, they're rolling out some new product you know, where Google can track you in all kinds of new ways. That's going to make <clears> your life so much better. <laughs> and, but there's a couple of zingers in here about you – know, that make you wonder, who, do they think the American public is a stupid – to think that there is no such thing as a Barack Obama and their Eiffel Tower was made up. Just play this. You are fully wired. That's what Google aimed to show at a townhouse in New York City. The tech giant demonstrated how its enhanced search capabilities could potentially improve everything from planning a wedding to cooking. Google now understands real people, places, and things in the world, like who is Barack Obama, that he's an actual person, or uh, the MoMA, or um, Eiffel Tower, that understands it's actually a real thing, and can sort of give you all the information you want to know about that topic, available uh, through this uh, beautiful panel on the webpage. Show me pictures of the boardwalk in Santa Cruz. Ah, 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 make it stop, my ears. 
So, who is Robert Barack Obama? Can we show me pictures of the boardwalk? Show me pictures. Okay, glass. Show me pictures of the boardwalk. This is a smart home. Oh, wow. <clears throat> you know, we have not moved beyond the, your refrigerator will know when to order milk. We're still at that stage, My aren't we? time favorite. Yeah, where is that? I'm still waiting for the smart refrigerator. <clears throat> I will say, the smart meters have got to go. This crap is, and let me explain why, because um, this is very apropos in the whole conversation about cell phone metadata. Man, the metadata you get from a smart meter when you're home, when you turn on certain stuff, I mean, it it, it is actual RF uh, reception. It can do a million different things. It has, this is the metadata of your life is in these smart meters, and they can shut them off remotely. Well, that's the best part. <laughs> hey, slave. Hey, buddy, you don't like uh, yeah. you don't like the way you're voting. Boom. <clears throat> Although I got a, and this is funny because it's from FEMA, uh, and I I put it in the show notes on the last show. I, I'll, I'll I'll republish it. It's a, a wood burning gasifier. Are you familiar with this? As a matter of fact, I am. If this is really cool. You you build this wood burning thing. And you, with a series of tubes, you hook it up to a generator, and you can run the gen. You can run uh, your car on wood. Well, yes, yeah. yes, yes, well, yeah. yes. Well, I mean, you could. It's a weird product because it takes it. It creates electricity. No, right? Is no, this the electricity no, one? No, no. It creates gasoline that powers an engine. Oh, okay. Have you ever seen huh. this? No, I've got. To, I've seen the electricity one, which you burn a bunch of stuff and then you get a, some voltage out of a plug. Ooh, I like that. I haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah, they're very small, and then you just burn. You oh, throw no. some no, wood is, in there no, and you get is, electricity. This is real, and, and it's from a FEMA brochure. So it's a is, gasification plant. Yeah, and you put from like, wood. You put wood pellets in, and then you stir it around, and then it's burning the charcoal what? and whatever, and then it, and you and it goes through a filtration thing. And then, you know, before you know it, uh, you open up the, the valve and you hook that up to your generator. Or I've seen people with a pickup truck. They have actual pickup trucks with this thing in the back. I mean, it's huge. It's like a, it's like an alcohol distillery. But they have that in the back and the tube going right in, <laughs> right into the engine. And they're, they're driving this on the road. right up your alley. This is perfect. I'm like, wow, how come this, where's this been all my life? This is, I have the pickup truck. I'd, I just, if someone would want to, help, I tried to look to buy one, uh, and there's really, you know, it's like everybody is, oh, buy plans. I don't want a, a plan. I want someone to come here, build me the gasifier, put it in the back of the truck, and I want to drive on wood. <laughs> it's great. And the FEMA brochure actually says, you know, in the in case of, you know, if the grid goes down, here's what you need to do. You can build a... a this gasifier, and you can run your generator on it. And there's tons of YouTube videos of guys who have built this, and it's fascinating. I'm like, wow. They put wood in, and, you know, they, you got a, a barrel full of this stuff, and you can run your generator for five hours on on wood pellets or whatever you whatever wood you want to burn. I had not heard of this. I, I, I was like, wow, yeah, right up my alley. You're absolutely I keep, right. I uh, keep researching it. 
Well, let's get back to our sleaze ball uh, <laughs> operations. Well, come on, that was that was the highlight of uh, of love. Yeah, I know. Baby. I can tell you would yeah. probably be thrilled by this knowledge. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very, very oh, thrilled. I can use wood. I, I can buy some seeds and some water <laughs> purification. All right, maybe let's... we should sell this stuff. Well, um, yeah, there you go. Let's sell plans. <laughs> Everybody buy plans now on how you can drive your car on wood. That's right. Only $99.95. We'll send you the plans. And that's with an extra $10 for shipping and handling. I read the president's uh, climate action plan, uh, which I read before he uh, did his speech, which conveniently was done on the hottest day he could find. So it looked like he was really sweating from all of this global warming. And exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, I need to ask you a couple questions. You are, of course, not only a historian, you are a scientist. You have worked for the Environmental Protection, for an Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, you are also an outstanding chef. So I need to ask you. Regional agency. Regional agency. I need to ask you a few questions about the statements made by the president. And around the same time, we began exploring space, scientists were studying changes taking place in the Earth's atmosphere. Now, scientists had known since the 1800s that greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide trap heat. Is this true? Have we known this since the 1800s? Not that I know of. I mean, the 1800s scientists, is this Antony Van Leeuwenhoek? He was inventing, <laughs> inventing the telescope. He went, I see some greenhouse gases up there. I mean, is this a fact? Not I'm not, that I know of. I'm I mean, not, I'm not know, doubting I'm the sure president. You can, if you read everything <laughs> written in the 1800s, somebody probably said something. But And that burning fossil fuels released those gases into the air. That wasn't news. Ah. But in the late 1950s, the National Weather Service began measuring the levels of carbon dioxide in our atmosphere with the worry that rising levels might someday disrupt the fragile balance that makes our planet so hospitable. Okay, so, all right. Fragile balance. All right, fragile balance. Now, this is, uh, this is the, big, the big one that they're using. The 12 warmest years in recorded history have all come in the last 15 years. This is a very interesting statistic to me. So was that, um, uh, it, it, was the last three years that it went down or where there's three, there's a gap of three years where they weren't the warmest and what happened to those? And is it just forever and ever or recorded history? Do, do we have records going back to the 1800s when the scientists were, were watching this and measuring this and knew about uh, fossil fuels? To me, it was mind boggling statistic. Last year, temperatures in some areas of the ocean reached record highs. Some. And ice in the Arctic shrank to its smallest size on record, faster than most models most. had predicted it would. Models. Mm -hmm. These are facts. Oh! Fact. Now, we know that no single weather event is caused solely by climate change. Now this is very interesting. This is yeah, really, he's work. You can you can see them working on the new uh, the new sales pitch. Oh, it's, it's this is very well done. Very well done. Droughts and fires and floods, they go back to ancient times, <laughs> as recorded. But we also know that in a world that's warmer than it used to be, oh. all weather events are affected by a warming planet. This is a fact. All right. 
So okay, all right. I'm 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 still good to go. Now he comes out with what I think is the best line of the speech. In fact, those who are already feeling the effects of climate change don't have time to deny it. <laughs> They're busy dealing with it. <laughs> I think that is that's a great line. I, I, those who oh, we're in a hurry. <laughs> so actually, what they this was. I think this was put in there. Because we know that this may be, cha- you know, because of the sunspot cycle and whatever, it may be reversing, and we're gonna not going to have any more of these examples. They're going to start disappearing uh, to to enough of an extreme that it's going to make everyone lose interest, which they're already doing because of the fake data and all the rest of it. Uh, and so, I think this was put in there to create the sense of urgency that they need to start doing something so when it does reverse they can say look we started doing something oh, yeah. oh, and yeah. it works oh yeah no no this is that's very clear it's already going to happen in this term you're already going to see this go down the, the, it will change this is what happened with by the way with uh, acid rain he mentioned that in his speech he mentioned acid rain and and how nothing i didn't know that they had a cap and trade program they put in somebody made a lot of money on acid rain and I don't notice that anything has really changed in the way people do anything. Acid, the whole acid rain thing was bogus. Let's listen to the science, John. So the question is not whether we need to act. The overwhelming judgment of science, of <laughs> chemistry and physics. <laughs> wow. And millions of measurements. Millions of measurements, I tell you. Has put all that to rest. 97% of scientists... <laughs> Science. science! The science is in! Including, by the way, some who originally disputed the data. 97% of all scientists in the known universe. Yeah, this not, is bogus not, because there's so many scientists that will not speak up about yeah. this because they get shouted down by the yeah. maniacs. 96? No, 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 no. 98? No. 97%. Because there's a, there's a known number of scientists. You know, they, We know exactly how many scientists there are. We ask them all. And 97% said, yep, I'm in. Yeah, that's a very now put that to rest. They've acknowledged the planet is warming and human activity is contributing to it. This is very important. That's fact. 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 So the question now is whether we will have the courage to act before it's too late. Okay, courage. Very good. Now, now the president has the, we talked about performatives on uh, on the show. Uh, performatives are... Yeah, the re- I mean, you, would you, would you like to take a stab at that, John? Uh, the uh, the performance. Well, they're a way of couching a uh, uh, phrase, it's, it's phraseology that that essentially focuses attention on what you're doing, not what you're saying. I think is part of the ex- well, explanation. Well, it, it, it allows but it's used as propaganda. Yeah, it's a li- it allows you to tell a lie without really telling a lie. As a president, as a father, and as an American, I'm here to say we need to act. (laughs) It doesn't get any better than that. (laughs) Yeah. As a scientist? No. No. As a father, as as an American, as a president, I'm here to say... He's not doing the fact thing. He's like, I'm here to say... I found that to be one of the best performatives I've heard him do in a it long time. It was a good time. one. It, it was, was a good gem. One. Now, the the sad fact of all this, or really not sad, have you looked at the the price of of natural gas, John? Has it gone up? It must have gone up. It it cannot have stayed down. 
Uh, it hasn't gone up as much as you'd like to believe. Is it around four bucks now? Is it finally? I think it's still under four. Let me take a look. It's got to. I think it's, it's like three ninety. Last time I looked, it's got to be okay. But it, remember, it was a three, so it's gone up by thirty three percent. Hey yo. Yeah. Huh. Um. Okay, because then. this is all about. It's gas. three dollars and fifty nine cents. Okay, so it's not bounding out of the gate. Uh, this is all about natural gas. Uh, By the which, way, gold is down to twelve twelve. No, no, we can talk about that. Um, let's let's stay on the natural gas for a moment. The bottom line is, natural gas is creating jobs. Ah, it's lowering many families' heat and power bills, and it's the transition fuel that can power our economy with less carbon pollution, even as our businesses work to develop and then deploy more of the technology required for the even cleaner energy economy of the future. He, um, in the speech, he very briefly mentions nuclear, which I was happy to hear. You know, I'm a big fan of nuclear. I think it truly is the ultimate renewable. In the plan itself, there's, uh, there is under the $7 billion that will be made available, which is pretty much nothing, um, there is a provision for new compact reactors. Uh, now we have, you know, some the the NEA, the nuclear, the regulatory uh, agency within our government. It pretty much has anti-nuke people running it. So I don't expect this to happen because, you know, nuclear is not a good deal. Nuclear is not. You can't gouge people over and over again for nuclear. Although I think they're stupid because right, I th- there's actually a, there is a model that does work. For a backyard nuke, nuke yeah. that will, will power your house for over 100 years, yeah. un, unmaintained. Yeah. You just put it back there and you plug a you know, thing into, the, into the, your circuit and you're done. You're good to go forever. Yeah, I, see, I, don't, but, I don't understand why they don't see the, uh, the opportunity is to create nuke. And nuclear plants are very expensive to build, not because the plant is so expensive to build, because of all the regulatory bull crap. They've made it impossible almost. Well, also, there's some elements of the plant because we don't do what the French do. We have a non-standardized system, so every plant is different. Right. They're all custom-made. It's like, let's say you have a car, you know, we drive cars. So instead of buying a Toyota, every time you buy a new car, you'd actually go to a custom guy and have the car built from scratch. What do you think that would cost compared to a Toyota? Right, right, right. I think the opportunity is to build these uh, these reactors, hook everyone up to it, and then just charge them for the nothing. They're so I don't understand why they don't. No one sees this. You know, it's like because it's, it's not once you build it. It's working. It's, it's running. You know, the, these new reactors, the breeders, they eat their own bulk. They eat their own poop. You know, they, they put it back into the into the front end. There's very little. There's almost no waste. It just it's perpetual motion almost. That's how good this stuff is. And then you could charge people for air. I don't understand why no one sees that opportunity. But okay, um, I did get a, a note from uh, producer Steve. I don't want to confirm. Gas lines are installed with solar panels. I'm an attorney for a large corporation and was asked to review some provisions in a contract for the installation of solar panels on one of our locations. In these instances, I usually scan the entire contract before honing in on the language directly related to my speciality. Much to my surprise, a lot of information in the contract related to gas lines. 
I found this particularly odd because this is an existing location, so it's already it already has utility service. As such, there's no need for a backup to back up the solar. Presumably, they could just use the existing electrical provider when the solar isn't adequate. But you know, all of the solar stuff and wind stuff, it's all uh, hiding gas uh, burners, ba- gas turbines. It's all about gas, and we've we well we know this because this is what we've been following for you know, ever since episode 381. I think we've been following pipelines and gas lines, and that's what this is all about. Um, so the idea was, as predicted under the Clean Air Act, is to, uh, I, I think, essentially give us rolling blackouts or whatever. It's going to make coal, which is dirty, although you can make it very clean. Actually, most coal today can be made extremely clean. Yes. Uh, yes. With the floating beds and yeah. the scrubbers and all the rest of it. and you know, But nobody wants to talk about any of this because... No. After all, we have 350 years. If we just powered the entire country with coal, we have so much coal. We're the, everyone says this. They don't say it anymore. We're going to say it again on the show. We are the Saudi Arabia of coal. Mm. We have 350 years supply. If we use nothing but coal, we would be powering the United States for the next 350 years, no problem. So, well, you know, that's not, that's not any good. We can't do that. And to help them do it faster. Because now he's talking about this is part of the whole climate change deal is, you know, you help the poorer nations, you give them the money, you trade, you cap, whatever you do. We're going to partner with our private sector to apply. What is this partner with the private sector business? What does that it's mean? It's corporatism. It's fascism is what it means. It's I mean, very simple. When someone says that, that to me, that's like, well, I'd like a deal like that. Can I partner with the, go- yeah, on the government Yeah, let's partner with the No Agenda show. Yeah, let's par- why don't you partner up with me, bro? Apply private sector technological know-how in countries that transition to natural gas. Uh-huh, yeah. So he's now selling for the gas industry. We've mobilized billions of dollars in private capital for clean energy projects. How does he mobilize billions of dollars in clean, in, in private capital? How does that? I mean, I'm I'm hearing the words come out of his mouth. We've mobilized billions of dollars in private equity. Really? Then you must have held some carrot in front of them. Private equity doesn't just jump up and down and say, "Oh, oh, I really want to save the world. Let me give you billions of dollars." No. Around the world. Today, I'm calling for an end of public financing for new coal plants overseas, unless they deploy carbon capture technologies. Or there's no other viable way for the poorest countries to generate electricity. Oh, well, there's, there's GE's contract. Wow. So unless, unless, unless there's really no other way they can do it, then, you know, but since when do we fund public funds for coal plants overseas? Mexico is what it is. Foreign. I think that means Mexico. We don't know that. Yes, we do. That's. Are you kidding no, me? No, we don't know that it's just Mexico. Oh, no, but it that's important to us because they're shutting down coal plants in Texas. Texas now buys its electricity from Mexico, from coal plants built by GE. <laughs> um, did you know this? No. This is <laughs> yeah. like a Texas piece of news. Yeah, they, they shut down. They sh- shutting down all these, these. Do you remember the Super Bowl we had here in Texas? We have yeah. a Super Bowl where the, like the, the power went out. Right, right. Yeah. This is the power. Of that, yeah, this was the uh, yeah. Super Bowl in Dallas. Yeah. That's because they, yeah. they had to shut down the plants. They're shutting down these the, the coal plants in Texas so that we can then import energy from Mexico with coal, from coal plants. It, it's not like the, the coal dust doesn't float over the border. Built by GE. It, you, can't make, you can't make this stuff up. 
another viable way for the poorest countries to generate electricity. Yeah. You know what I say? I, just- I say, screw the poor countries, is what I say. Screw you guys. All right, then the, fin- the final bit, and this, is, uh, this just put it all to rest, so the conversation is over. You just need to shut up. Nobody has a monopoly on what is a very hard problem, but I don't have much patience for anyone who denies that this challenge is real. No! <laughs> Shut up, slave! Oh, the science is in! Science! We don't have time no for a Hola. meeting of the Flat Earth Society. We don't have time for a meeting of the Flat Earth Society. Wow. That, that is, got you. you know, it's funny because I heard that thing, but the, taking it apart the way you just did by deconstructing and listening to each segment and then s- and trying to s- figure out what it's about because everything's about something. Yeah. And then coming up with the shut up slave at the end would have got you clip of the week, except for the <laughs> produced thing you did, which I'm going to I want you to play again at the end of the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. I understand. And, and, and well, let me wrap it up then because this whole speech was filled with performatives. Um. And one of our producers, who just blew my mind, uh, let me see if I have this producer's, let me see who the, uh, this was uh, Mike Kowalczyk. Uh, Adam, I study linguistics in college and grad school, so your discussion of performatives on Sunday's show was very interesting. I was thinking about it. So this is, a, we have smart people listening. Grad school, that means, if, that means you're a professor? No, no. It means he's a, he's a grad student trying to get his Ph.D. or his master's. So he may already have it. He may already be there. But I didn't go to college, so I'm already impressed. I got a college kid talking to me. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, and I think I found the ultimate performative. Would you like to hear it, John? No, not really. Yes, yeah, of you course. do. I, Barack Hussein me? Obama, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. <laughs> that I will faithfully execute. The office of President of the United States. Uh, it, the whole oath is a performative. I yeah, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute to the best of my ability. To the office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability. And will, to the best of my ability. Preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The whole thing is open to interpretation now. Well, he's already interpreted that his job is not to defend the Constitution, but to protect us from evil. <laughs> and let me just mess with you. Adam's gonna read his email <laughs> on the No Agenda Show. Final note for today from Jared. I had to call Microsoft this morning and remembered what was said on Sunday's show. I was on hold and I said, fuck, each time the voice system wanted me to say things like office. I was then told to hold on for a representative. Uh, the outsourced representative was even nicer than usual to me. I think the tip works. <laughs> Why don't you re-explain the tip to somebody who didn't catch that show? Uh, we've had uh, multiple sys administrators who work on uh, voice systems email us about voice recognition that, of course, the NSA employs and uses to listen to everything. And these are used in commercial companies. And if the voice system detects you are agitated, you get moved to the front of the line. 
And all you have to do, and he specifically said the F word is the word that you use and make it sound like you're really agitated. And this guy tested it. He called Microsoft, and every single time they, he had to provide an answer, which I don't even think you have to wait for the voice prompt. You say, fuck. Ah. And boom, he got immediately put onto a live person within 35 seconds. That is the... That is the tip of the of the year for us. Well, it goes along with our can't raise my arms above my shoulder thing. Yeah, well, there's that. But yeah. Which, you know, not everyone's flying around all the time. You you do need technical support, or you have to call these these phony machines constantly. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. No, I mean we need to try it. Everyone, please try this. We really, really need to know that this is working. But to me, this is fact proof. I'm liking it. And that alone, that alone will be worth your price of admission to this podcast. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Ah! Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, oh, No Agenda in the morning. This is a fact. I think I'm telling you, one hour of that would be ideal. Just over and over again, it'll put you to yeah, sleep. Yeah, that guy. You about five <laughs> seconds in between. Try, try it now. Uh, oh, hold on. <laughs> I, I I just dropped it. Um, well, it's a, it's kind of. Wait, hold on. I know how to do this. This uh, this is a fact. Yeah, I'll do I'll do a couple times in a row. Hold on a second. Let me set it up. Because now you're asking me to do stuff that wasn't prepared. So should it be uh, a little like something in between or, or? No, it should just be. This is a fact, and then a, a pause of about five seconds. Okay. All right. Let's and try then, it. And then again, okay. and again, oh, forever. All right, all right. Here we go. This is a fact. This is a fact. No, it's, it's got to be more in between. Fact. More time in between? I think uh, close to 10 seconds. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, let's try it. This is a fact. This is a fact. This is a fact. Yeah, I think that would be it. <laughs> I'm not done yet. This is a fact. <laughs> this is a fact. Yeah. This is a fact. And then you can play that, that bald guy, the uh, billionaire guy. <laughs> okay. okay, I'll do that at the end of the show. <laughs> okay, here we go. Let's just thank a few of the producers. Please, for the show. please, uh, save me. Jason Stevens in Lost Wages, Nevada, $111.11. Alan, uh, $110, just plain old Alan in Silverdale, Washington, home of the Silverdale Mall. Uh, I just got my DOD federal furlough letter, so I'd better do this now while I can still afford it. Yeah. He's got a birthday shout-out for George Orwell. <laughs> really? Uh, is, is that on the list? I would think so. It's, it's highlighted. Philip Merkert, Merkert in Rothelmunster. Okay, I would say Merkert. Merkert, Merkert. Philip Merkert, Merkert in Gitmo, Deutschland. Deutschland, 100 bucks. Let's see. What, what does he say here? Hi, having lost show out of sight for a longer period of time, I'd like to report back by donating some of my hard-earned money as an employee of the Deutsche Bahn. Oh, he's the the, the railroad man. Yeah. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> Bahn gut, Flugzeug schlecht. Actually, they have the, that crazy little beep, 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 beep horn, which I'd love to get a good uh, recording of. We need, we need to do a German version. It should be uh, Einsteigen! All aboard! Trains good! Deutsche Bahn gut! Flugzeug schlecht! That was kind Anyways, of a... Uh, Woodman call, uh, Colin or Colin uh, 
9495. Uh, no note. Irvin Owens Jr., 7557 in Alameda, California. Uh, Josh Morris, 69. Oh, 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 oh sorry. I was still, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still in my German vibe. Oh, 69, there we go. 69, dude. <laughs> See, the last show we did, there was four. And then, of course, it's all been downhill since our big uh, 69, Swazzle 69 enough. day. Yeah, yeah. He says he's uh, been a boner for. Too long. We have some karma at the end of the uh, at the at the end of the messaging. Matthew Wittering, sixty nine in Bedford. Uh, by the way, uh, Morris was in Kearney, Sir Matthew, Kearney, Missouri. Sir Matthew Wittering in Bedfordshire, the UK. Uh, Gre- Gregory Ball in Walsand, Tyne on Thames, Wait, or someplace in it. the UK. It's done. Holy mackerel! That's 69, it. Done. Done, dudes. So we'll have probably two on Sunday, and then I think this whole thing, which has been going on for over a year, will be dead. Good. I know you've been you've been looking forward to it being dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's me, man. I've been looking forward to. You've it been looking dead. forward to it. Rebecca Waters came in with sixty nine point zero zero out of New Mexico. Uh, Lawrence Dring in Chesterfield, Michigan, fifty five fifty five. Maxwell Roberts, double nickels on the dime in Manhattan, Kansas. Aaron Schnee in Lincoln, Nebraska, fifty five ten. Kevin Payne. 5069 in Richmond, Virginia. Second Mile Productions in Liberty, Maine. Oh, uh, that's uh, Brian and Susie. Is it? Yeah, Brian and Susie Morris. They, they, remember we stayed at their house oh, right, in, right, in right. Ohio? And yeah. they've, they've invited us. They now they went from their place in Ohio. Remember, the, these, are the, these are the cats who said, uh, oh, you know, we're, we're on vacation, but here's the keys to the car, the keys to the house, you know, do whatever you want. They now have like 153 acres in Liberty, Maine. And wow. I, I don't think they have electricity. <laughs> but uh, You I, just get one of those wood burners. Yeah. You know, I, uh, Brian knows yeah, anyway, how to do that stuff, I'm sure. 50 bucks from Peter Totes, Shad Rich in Seattle, 50, Bradley Walker, Spring, Texas, and Gregory Rosati in Suffolk, Virginia. That's it. We're done. Okay. <laughs> Short list. Yes. Well, thank you very much. We highly appreciate any donations. We really love the monthlies that people are uh, stepping up to more and more, it seems, whether it's $5 or if you get under 33 33 or maybe $4, uh, a sh- you know, the four a week. Uh, it, it really is. It, it, we appreciate it very much. But please check your subscription because PayPal likes to just stop it, cut it off, and then say, yeah, we had two this week that that we rejected. Yeah, because we we just we just don't want your money. So we don't. Yeah, you know, we don't. That's right. We rejected. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, was there a note here from Sir Ryan we had to read? There was something on the. Uh, I've got. Hey, John and Adam. When this whole NSA spying thing broke, nobody in the office except for me were completely shocked that our own government would do such a thing. Oh, did we get did we get uh, something from Brian? I don't think so. Anyway, no, uh, but I did get an anonymous thing. Well, let me let me finish this note. Um, how could members of our own government, sworn to protect the Constitution, go behind our backs and do such a thing? My boss, with whom I've discussed no agenda several times, summed it up best when he said, "You know, the worst thing about the NSA spying is that they're proving Adam Curry right." <laughs> <laughs> He said, "Time to donate." So um, he was. He, he's and he said, "F PayPal." He was sending us a check. So that's very cool. But that's that is kind of sad when, and more and more, I'm seeing this. Um, uh, people saying, "Hey, 
Oh, those tinfoil hat people were right. Have you seen that? Have you noticed this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is it? What is the appropriate response? What should we be doing about this? Nothing. Tell them to screw, to, to <laughs> saw it off. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, and also thank you very much to our executive producers and associate executive producers. Actual credits. If you need someone to vouch for you, just have them call us. We'll take care of you. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Congratulates himself. He turns 30 today. Chris Hefley says happy birthday to himself on the 29th. And his daughter, Jersey, will be 12 on July 2nd. Happy birthday, Jersey. Gerald Bethke uh, says happy birthday to George Orwell. He would have been 110 on June 25th. Dan Miller's dad celebrates on the 30th. Lawrence Dring says happy birthday to his daughter, Harley Dring. Happy 18th. Prime no agenda material. And um, Rebecca Waters has a birthday shout out as well and I remembered Rolf Lehman happy birthday to you Ralph your birthday on the 30th from all your friends here at the best podcast in the universe and please remember us for the Sunday show it's always a little slow on Sunday and today was light Uh, so we are going into the summer months and we need extra help um, because it's not like like the workload gets less. John Stewart went on vacation, thinking what could you know? Well, actually, I think yeah, he's, what a, he's directing he does this a every movie. Every time he goes on vacation, he misses all the good stuff. Yeah, I think he's directing a movie or something. But you know, you, you, we can't we can't leave. We're going to take I think two shows off. We're working on July the fourth. Yeah. What 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 is, what person on television works on July the fourth? Nobody. I've been a fan of um, Howard Stern. I've always liked what he what he does on the radio, and I, I grew up well. Not grew up, but I listened to him in New York. Um, when I had you know I was driving into MTV from Jersey when I lived in New York, and also when my first company, and uh, I was I listened a lot, and I think he still has quite a big following uh, on uh, Sirius XM. Would you say that's pretty much all that? That's all I, I've listened to one time when the last time I drove up to Washington, I ended up listening to um, Howard Stern on a lot of the trip because I had a, a satellite radio in the car. Right. And I would say that one thing I, it's interesting about this was just best of. So it was just like a lot of his stuff. I think the one thing that's overlooked about him since he's he, he kind of presents himself as a douchebag, but he is one of the most interesting and outrageously talented interviewers that I've ever heard in my life because he will get people because the way he does it. I I mean, I I follow interviewers because I think you can learn a lot. If you do interviewing at all, and I do it occasionally, uh, you can learn a lot by watching the best. I mean, Larry King was another good one. He had some tricks that were interesting, but, but Stern is absolutely astonishing the way he will start to dig at somebody when he when he senses a nugget yep. that he wants to get out of yep. him yep. and he will just go after and dig and dig and dig and and he's, and he's somewhat irresistible i suppose luckily he has always kept uh, robin by his side for she understands how this country works Stern, not so much. Government surveillance efforts are credited with foiling more than 50 terror plots since 9-11. This is all since, uh, you know, it was leaked that the NSA is spying on us. They now are saying, look, because of that spying, we've been foiling terror plots. Yeah, of and course. so... I believe them. That is their excuse. <laughs> See, 
He's he's truthful here. That's the sad part. People who don't believe anything the government says, but I believe them. Uh, you know, we've heard about some of them. The, the, there's no problem with wanting to, to catch terrorists. Right. The problem is when my rights as an American citizen are infringed upon because of <laughs> your desire to... Be safe, not get blown up. No, listen, we're talking about people being blown up. Listen. Yes, but we're also talking about people having information they might All use right. against well, people who don't deserve the next to time, be spied upon. The next time a World Trade Center thing goes off or a dirty bomb, God forbid, goes off uh, in a city. The next uh, time. You, wow. So, so we can't read your... How bad is this? And it just goes on and on and on. He thinks it's, it's terrible. Great. And then they, they bought into that 50 uh, yep. terror plots, yep. bull crap, yep. because we had a clip on the last show. People have didn't listen to the last show. They should listen to this clip, which was a which was a caucus discussion in front of all the aides and uh, some of the congressional aides where the guy outlined the ones that were revealed. And they were all bogus. Mm-hmm. They, they were they have foiled nothing. Yeah, it goes on and on and on. I'll leave it in the in the show notes so you can listen to the whole clip. But he he just keeps on going. You know, like if you want to say something private, don't say it on the phone. Don't say it on email. Yeah, let's just turn into a Stasi run operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's terrible. There's no excuse for no, this. Is what this is what happens when you're a guy that ha- has over a hundred million dollars in the bank. He's yeah. got. Yeah. Half a billion dollars, I believe they gave him so much money, yeah. and, and he doesn't care anymore. He doesn't care about the the people, the people who made him, man, dude. We made you, dude, on WNEW, man. So they K Rock, man. Interesting job, <laughs> interesting job of slamming Ecuador. I've noticed. There's a couple of things I want to point out that I thought were another thing that was never asked by the media, but I thought was hilarious that no one's ever brought this up. Uh, when Snowden was supposedly on the flight to, depending on who you talk to, Cuba or Venezuela from the Russian airport on slot, seat 15 on an Aeroflot flight, you remember that? He wasn't no, on. No, this is all this is no, a wait, wait, wait. joke. This, you, this yeah. is the part you're, that no one's talking about, and I would like to see somebody even bring it up. Does anybody notice the hilarity of this of this whole thing? Because that plane was stuffed with reporters. Yeah. And, and so here you are. You're a reporter. You found out about this because they publicized the flight number. Mm-hmm. You get a ticket. Now you're on a flight to Venezuela with nothing to do, <laughs> and you got to go turn back around the other way. This is a, this is just to, to me. This is the funniest thing about this whole deal. Was all these boneheads got on, on this the flight? Yeah. Oh yeah. Where am I going? Oh man, I'm going to be stuck in Venice or Cuba. <laughs> what am I going to do in Cuba? I don't even have a hotel room. <laughs> well, that's what these guys do. They go there. They go. Go get drunk and have sex with each other. Well, that maybe that, yeah. that could be. Yeah, but they're already doing that. We have to remember that I got two clips about Ecuador, and they're they're doing everything they can to defame the place. And they got these people with these crazy analyses that are crap. But I want to make sure that people remember. If you've read one of our uh, seminal books that we push on this uh, show, which is Confessions of an Economic Hitman, and we have. At least one, if not a bunch of economic hitmen men who listen to the show, uh, the target of the government was going to be Ecuador, and 
for various reasons, Ecuador managed to pull out of the of being used by the United States to be just exploited. And they're still trying to get money from Standard Oil for screwing up a bunch of a part of their uh, environment with a big oil spill they won't clean up and the U.S. won't do anything about it. And the, the, the guy who wrote the Confessions of an Economic Hitman want, wants to move to Ecuador. He thinks this is a great place and a lot of people <laughs> – you know, think it's a it's a fine place to live because you don't have a lot of these crazy influences. But they're doing everything they can on these TV shows to blast the crap out of Ecuador to make it sound like it's the world's worst place. And we just play these clips, comments on Ecuador and then Ecuador too. If Ecuador grants Nobla Pass, should we stop handing them the cash? The U.S. shelling out more than $21 million this year to the Latin American nation, on top of another $11 million requested for next year. National security analyst Aaron Cohen said... I love this. The sound effects are off the hook on this show. You're going to have to use that on uh, PBS. What are we flying through the screen when he's talking like this? Nothing. They just, they just show a little... <laughs> just a, Nothing. <laughs> okay, hold on. Cut them off if they cut this guy a break. That's what you do, and just cut him right off right there. Yeah, I think we need to to take a look at a couple of hard facts, Stuart, regarding Ecuador. Uh, I don't think many people are aware, but the fact is we don't even have a, an Ecuadorian ambassador in the U.S. And the reason why is because in April 2011, uh, a secret classified cable was leaked by our then ambassador in Ecuador, which had significant proof and information that there was such an extreme amount of corruption in Ecuador. And so they ended up tossing him out. And so effectively ended up tossing uh, the ambassador here in the U.S. out uh, as a, you know, to, to reciprocate it. So the fact is, is that we're giving millions and millions of dollars to this country right now who may potentially be harboring somebody who could have been responsible for one of the most massive intelligent leaks in the history of <laughs> both private contracting uh, and our espionage <laughs> world, which could affect the national security or the threat level for us on a very high macro level as it pertains to okay. terrorism. So we've had trouble with these guys for a long time. Well, if whoever that guy is, does he have a book out? He better have a book no, out. No, no, he's, he's, he's some private operation. Oh, he's a, really? He's a total just a stooge. He's but, a, I don't see that he had anything going on that I would even research hold on, him. Hold on a second. We, but, we need we need to sound a little more important. I don't, I don't think we're doing it right. So I'm going to have you intro Ecuador 2, but I'm going to first set you up. So uh, this is a No Agenda show. We have uh, John C. Dvorak. Uh, John, what is your Ecuador clip? I don't know, but I've got it. Do we have that much leverage But if we suggest we'll take away the cash, $21 million, uh. if you give him asylum? Is, is that much leverage for people who are already hostile to us? Um, I, it's a good question. I think that $20 million dollars is a lot of leverage to a country... Uh, that faces as much corruption as Ecuador does. you got to remember that... $21 million, that's what an actor gets for a movie. This is not money. That's what Johnny Depp is getting This now. is not money. Ecuador is a country that uh, is one of the, the, the largest countries involved with money laundering, which is a key element to terrorism. To and it's this. also one of the hubs for processing one of the uh, chemical elements in cocaine. And they also <laughs> allow those drugs to be able to uh -huh. be moved freely. And while they claim they want to clean up their country... 
the fact is is that there's very little proof of that. And so I think taking away those funds will actually deliver a significant enough hit for those people and for that government to go, hey, wait a second here, maybe we need to have a closer look at our policy regarding U.S. security interests, particularly with our spy uh, business as it relates to terror. This is serious stuff. You're a national security analyst. In your opinion, <laughs> is it likely? Stop, 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 stop. This is what I'm going to try at the next dinner when I'm introduced to the, uh, the, prof the professor, the, uh, the, the performative linguistic professor. Yeah. And she said, what do you do? I said, I'm a national security ex analyst. Yeah. I Which, think I'm going to become one, too. I think that's we are. We are national security analysts. That Snowden yeah, has already given as as this guy. whatever information he can to China and Russia. Ah. I think that I, that's a good question. I think that we it's have to assume question. that that whatever information Snowden had on his little martyr uh, uh, escapade, which is really what this is right now, it's just attention. Oh, I'm going to throw up. Yeah, this gets good. You, you, you should have got to back it up so I can hear the whole thing. It's beautiful. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Escapade. Whatever information Snowden had on his little martyr uh, uh, escapade, which is really what this is right now, it's this attention-seeking, bizarre thing that's happening, uh, I believe that we have to treat this particular case as if uh, all of the information that he may have had access to was leaked. <laughs> All right. I, 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 of course, I, I brought up the other point, yeah. which is that as if they don't have got spies, they got more right. stuff than Snowden right. ever dug right. up. Can I just say one thing? How, say two things. How fantastic is Australia? What that they got finally got rid of the of of, of the ginger? Yeah, but this, they've got a, apparently. I did not know this. That we have a system in Australia where it's like a poison pill. It's like this one's no good. Get rid of this one. We'll put another one in place. Can you imagine if we had that here? Well, they have that in, in, in the U.K., too, and in Canada. It's the same system. And, yeah, you can get these people. You can oust these people at the drop of a hat. I love that system. I, I, eh, well, it, oh, come on. It's great. It, well, it's, it has its problems, too. I mean, look at the – she oh. got in, and she was stuck oh, in no, there for it, a long time. It, she should have been out for a long time. No, of Some course. of these people are in there for – Decades. Of course, it has its problems. The main problem being the Queen has to approve it. The Queen of England. Yes, it's okay. I approve. That's the real problem. No, she. It, but it's just a theater. By it, the way, I want to go back to that clip where the guy says, "Oh, they had you know, chemical elements. Chemical elements in the processing of the cocaine. What is that? Which is like Alcohol? What chemical elements? Is that pneumonia? What is it? Uh, it cocoa ammonia? leaves. <laughs> no. No, you make you make coke with other stuff, don't you? No. Yeah. It's, just, it's coca leaves. You extract the coca leaves. You don't. You, you, they, don't don't you mix it? They, 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 let's don't. put. Let's stop. Ecuador and and Peru both are cocaine uh, legalized. Is cocaine's legal? But nobody uses it. They use these leaves constantly because they're high altitude countries, and so people are chewing on these leaves constantly. It's a it, it's a great product. Uh, and you know they're not part of the the cartels or anything else. This is this. Is, is, it's a great product. Did you just say that? I've used it. Cocaine? No, no. The leaves. Oh, okay. In the what? And what have you used that in? I used it when I was in the Andes and I was floating around. And you, if you don't have this stuff, my favorite example. Okay, so there's a, <laughs> the old men up there. Oh, so they hold, have hold bags. On. Could you just, oh, please indulge me for a moment? I want everyone to get a little visual. Close your eyes. John is roaming around in the Andes. Exactly. 
So here I am, and so I'm up in this. I think we're at 14.5 or some some altitude. By yourself, or are you with Sherpas? No, I was with a group, a bunch Sherpas. of people who were going to visit some little village. Did you have a Sherpa? That's the that the Sherpas are in a different part of the world. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so what, there's these old guys. I knew about the coca leaf trick mm-hmm. because yeah, you chew it you, for a height sick altitude sickness. Well, and and energy because you don't. There's no oxygen. <laughs> yeah, <up>. no kidding. <laughs> For you, don't get, you don't get a buzz from it. This whole thing is bogus. They, I'm very productive. For one thing, they have all the they have the coca tea. You, you drink a bunch of that, and then you get the coca leaf, mm-hmm. and you put the coca. And the guy, the old guy, showed me how to do it. You know, and I'm like the only guy. I'm like, <laughs> he was showing I'm you how to cut it. The only guy in this it. group that's chewing this stuff because the other Americans are oh, it's, it's illegal. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, crazy. Where the Andes, for God's sake? They're like, oh wait, wait, what was this group from Berkeley? No, there were just a bunch of guys from around the country. But whatever the case is, they were, none of them but myself and maybe one other guy would chew these leaves. And so, and I'm like the oldest guy by 20 years because they're all a bunch of millennials or ex-geners or whatever. <laughs> so I, I'm wandering around and it's, it's very hard to walk. All right, stop. All right, first of all, you know you've told us this story before, right? Oh, yeah, twice. But I would like you to add a new twist. I want, who were these guys? I don't remember. Oh, bull, bull crap! You don't remember what? I don't. What group were you with? You know that they were Gen Xers. So who were these people? You need yeah, to give us a new group. information. Yeah, we were brought up by by the by the. Uh, just be honest for once. I'm, I'm always honest. I'm just trying to think what <laughs> what the group was called at the time. It was Roberto Milk and a bunch of his compatriots who run a import export operation oh. that invited a group of us to go <laughs> visit one of the import export. A eh? Roberto yeah, was, Milk? The company was, in fact, I think I think it was bought by National Geographic. It's called Novica. He's the, the, the Roberto Milk from uh, the uh, Novica. Yeah, Novica, a mission-driven company that works with artisans around. Are you an artisan? No, I was brought to meet some of these artisans. Ah. I was part of a group. What is an artisan? They're guys who make pots. Maybe so I let me finish. I want to be. I want to be an artisan. I don't want to be an analyst anymore. All right, finish your story. I don't, think, I don't know if you have any skills. So you're a better <laughs> analyst. So anyway, so I'm. So meanwhile, there's very few of us that are chewing on it, but I'm chewing on it. It's fine. We're wandering around. We visited some places. And then I, we have to come down back. We have to walk up a hill and down a hill in order to get back to the, the bus. And uh, I am walking past these kids who are 20 years younger than me, and they're bent over trying to catch their breath. And it was like, and I just breeze right by them and go get in the bus and wait for them to finally drag their sorry asses to the bus because they're pooped because they can't, they wouldn't, oh, we can't, just illegal. It's like, I'm just saying, what is wrong with you people? And it's still a good story. And did you go, hey, girls, as you walk by? <laughs> you know, oh, you think this story is so funny. I think it's pathetic because you have a situation where you have a very positive product. And the coca leaf tea is a great product. It's and and it's like it's thought of as cocaine, which is a bull crap. Now, the, the, somehow there's the com. Okay, let me explain why why it's funny. Um, so your story's never tied. It's like my uncle Don. I've heard him tell the uh, uh, Shitabajo, uh story ten times, and it's funny every single time. And uh, when you tell a story, it's the combination of you painting the picture uh, and the chat room's comments that really bring it to life. 
screw the chat room. <laughs> I like it. No, I, I, I'm I'm sad I wasn't there. You would have loved it. It's I, great. I, I would have been. I'd be like drugs. Hand it over. Let's do it. JCD. We're high. Not drugs. It's they you, they serve hey. coca leaf tea in the airport lounge. In, I, know, in I, know, I know. I know. I know. No, you are debunking great myths. I like it, and I, I just like that these these idiot Gen Xers are like, oh man, that's coke. I can't have that. Yeah, that's funny. When they saw the when they saw you doing it, why, didn't someone go, wait a minute? No, they was an old Berkeley hippie. I don't know what they're thinking. Mm. All right, so the worst Berkeley people. Anyway, artisans. I'm an entertainment artisan. Well, I like that. I like your stories. I really do. <sighs> I'm not telling that story again ever. Oh, please. I'll, I'll make sure you bring it up. So anyway, there's a couple of things I wanted to mention in the second half of the show before we get to the spinning mummy. <laughs> uh, hold, whoa, hold on a second. You can't just go to second half without the official... Attention all human resources. No entry. Second half of show. So I talking about my anecdotes. Did I ever mention the story where I worked with Diane Feinstein? No, the douchebag of California. Yeah, uh, also Barbara Boxer, both of them. They were both on the Air Pollution District Board of Directors and did a bunch of things for them and uh, the hearing board, I believe. And and I, I've always thought that the two things, two things were noteworthy. One is that, and this is like a long time ago, but Barbara Boxer was always trying to pick up the air pollution inspectors. And she always needs to ride for home like, for like sex. Yes. Uh, whoa, really, Barbara Boxer? Yeah. Is she still? Well, take her? a look at her. I mean, she looks like a you know the type. But anyway, <laughs> but the better story is, does, doesn't she? Imagine her twenty years younger. Hold on, hold, still- on hold on, Yeah. Oh, she looks totally slutty. Yeah. You're you're so right. Is she married? I don't know. I, I can don't Im- follow her career. Now, can I can I just say something? If, what? Were you married at the time? I never t- would drive her home because I was warned. Because these guys didn't like it. She, they were, she was very pushy. But 20 years ago? Come on. I would have done her. Well, you probably would have. Yeah. So anyway, so here's the story. The better story is the Diane Feinstein story. So we have a um, – it was actually longer than 20 years ago. So she was really, she was really young. So, Diane, so we have the dispatch room, which also is the file room. And uh, – so the, there's a couple of women dispatchers in the file room, and it was it's got no windows. It's in the middle of the place. It's horrible. So they decided the the women decided they're going to keep the back door open so they get some sunlight in there, and it's a nicer place. When once they opened the ba- the back door and left it open, inspectors would commonly go into the file part of this operation and steal files. They just take them because then they wouldn't check them out because it was what's the what's pain the in the ass, pain in the ass. Oh, right, right, pain yeah. in the ass. I'll yeah. bring it back later. So the the women working in the in the dispatch office because they had were responsible for all these missing files. They put a chain across the door. They bolted a chain to keep guys from coming in and out, but they kept the door open. Feinstein, with all her wisdom, she comes rolling in and she sees the chain and she sees the women and she makes a big stink, saying, "Why are they chaining the door to lock these women in place?" It's a, <laughs> It's disgusting. <laughs> it's sexist. Right. And, and no one would – they try 
tried to explain to her that this was, no, this was to keep the inspectors from coming in and out and casually grabbing files, which was a huge problem. But no, she would have none of it. The chain had to be removed. And so when they removed the chain, they had to close the door. So they locked these girls back up into this dark room. And this is the kind of idiot that she is. So you have to take, always assume she's a dummy. And the point I'm going to make here, here's her idiotic suppositions about Snowden. Let's play that first. Okay. Uh, I was so into the story. I had actually thought that China would see this as an opportunity to improve relations and um, extradite him to the United States. Um, China clearly had a role in this, in my view. I don't think this was just Hong Kong without Chinese acquiescence. Uh, I think his choice of Moscow was interesting. Uh, I think what's interesting is that he was taken off in a car and his luggage in a separate car. Um, I think it'll be very interesting to see what Moscow does with him. Um, thirdly, he clearly was aided and abetted, uh, possibly by the WikiLeaks organization. I heard a rumor that he was traveling with someone, and so this had to have been all pre-planned. Wow. All right, so this is bullshit. There's not, not a single fact in there. Not a no, single none. fact. No, it's all bullshit. Yeah. Whatever she heard in the, she's the head of the intelligence committee for the Senate, so she gets to hear everything. And the the other guy who's a, also a stooge, which is Mike Rogers, is the oh. head of the intelligence committee yeah. for the House. And both of these people, Mike Rogers in particular, I believe, actually think they're spies because yeah. they're oh, they have all this information that the rest of Congress does not have, and they're essentially working for the agencies that they're supposed to be doing oversight on. And this is explained in a clip called Capture Theory that public administrators know about. And if you play the Capture Theory clip, you can see what's happening here and why these people are essentially useless in these jobs. And certifications, um, the court has pretty limited discretion in denying that order. Um, and also, for more generally, there's a concept in public choice theory called regulatory capture. The idea here is that a, a regulatory agency that works very closely um, with a particular regulated industry will often get captured by that industry. Um, in, in effect, the, the regulation will become um, not a way of, of checking the industry, but a, a form of serving its interests, because that's who the regulators are spending most of their time talking to. Um, I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that something similar uh, may have happened with the FISA court, which again is meeting in secret with one side, uh, kind of, uh, you know, continuously. Um, one tidbit of evidence here, right, is that we know initially the kind of bulk metadata surveillance that we've seen disclosed in these orders was done just a, according to presidential directive without court order. And so you ask, well, why, if the court can do this, and this is all legal under the Patriot Act, would you not just have gone that route from the beginning? And I think the answer seems to be pretty clearly no one, in fact, thought initially that the Patriot Act had authorized this kind of bulk collection, broad as it was, but once that was underway and had been going on for a while, um, the court was able to be sort of brought around into signing off on that, even though no one had initially imagined it was um, something that was within their power to authorize. Oh, okay, really? Good. Oh, really? So he uh, brings up this capture theory, which I thought explains to me, at least, why when you hear Mike Rogers or you hear Feinstein, the head of these committees, these intelligence oversight committees, they don't talk like anyone who's doing oversight. They literally lord it over everybody else, Rogers in particular, and they just 
they think they think they're working for the CIA. They're, they're they think they're oh I'm a spy. I know all this cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. And Rogers is the worst example of this. And his other buddy, the other guy that's on the committee, and they come out and they lord it over. We know what's going on. We've heard this stuff behind closed doors. Take our word for it. And this is they have been captured. By the intelligence community, they should all be fired from this, from the intelligence uh, oversight committees, and they should put new people in who who are not captured, and at least do some <laughs> real oversight. This yeah, is terrible. Like us. Yeah, we should do. We, we'd be great. But Feinstein's a, a perfect example. Everything she said in that little gossipy thing was somebody told her in secret, and she's she's kind of revealing some of it. You know, the two cars and all the rest of it. Who would know this? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, anyway, I find okay. these people to be disgusting. Abhorrent, I think, is the word you're looking I for. I was going to say that. Yeah. But then. I, I think the word abhorrent is a good word and valid in this case. I need to switch some gears now, and I would like you to acknowledge the fact that I have been very good at not starting off every sentence with so. You've been great at it. You, and I, I, you should acknowledge that I was about to say amazing once in the show, and I said astounding. <laughs> yes, but you also have been saying so quite a bit. It's on my secondary list. I I tried this in my daily life. It's extremely difficult. It is. Ring the bell if you hear me saying. Oh, please. We we can't have the. It's cannot call. It's called no agenda, not the bell show. Quick um, move over to Europe. I just need to get some international news in here, and then uh, maybe if you're interested, we can talk about some uh, local Texas news. In uh, in Euroland, a couple things going on. First of all, the Germans are now saying, well, you know, according to the ESM, which is this European Stability Mechanism, which I was all on for months and months and months, and then they passed it at two years early, uh, they expect that any bank bailout in Germany will also require at least an 8% tax on anyone who has their money in the German bank. I think this what? is yeah. I think this is quite astounding news. Wow. Yeah, and they and so they're really making a big deal out of this. You know, saying <laughs> you know uh, the 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 the, the Bundeskanzler bank bailout. Germany requires compulsory levy of eight percent, and this is uh, being discussed in the uh, at the Bundesbank. And it, but it turns out it's all part of the ESM which is kind of what we were saying, and this was rushed through, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, great, 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 it'll save everything, but it's coming out of the slaves' very own pockets. And so I think we can expect... Oh, I said it. I think we can expect to see this happen very soon, Mm. since they are talking about it more and more. Uh, Along with that comes a set-up interview, very funny, Haiku Herman, the, uh, the outgoing president of the United States of Europe, and Haiku Herman, this is when he was at the G8, and he uh, had a camera crew with a uh, a blonde uh, who was asking fake questions by fake citizens of Europe, uh, only for him to tell you exactly what's going to happen. Now, they've been talking about this tax avoidance, that people are stealing from their fellow European citizens by not paying tax. Uh, in this particular one-minute interview where the Haiku Herman answers the question, he's really telling you that they that the European uh, government in Brussels is going to know everything about your money, where it comes from, and this is about total control of you as an individual. Hello, Europe. 
Mr. President, we have a question from Johan, who is asking, how does the EU plan to tackle tax fraud and tax havens? Sounds like a question Johan would ask, doesn't it, John? <laughs> like, of all the questions I could ask the President of Europe, that would be, hey, how are you going to tackle that? But first and foremost, this is a national competence. And we see big difference inside the Union uh, on the results of the the fight against tax fraud and tax avoidance. When you compare the so-called black markets, you see a huge divergence in the union. Some have highly developed black economies, or parts of the economy are black, and others haven't uh, that at all, or mostly, uh, not nearly at all. Uh, so the, the effectiveness of tax authorities is absolutely key. And to strengthen tax authorities, to make them more effective, uh, to strengthen also the legislation is, is absolutely key in the, in the fight against tax fraud and tax avoidance. Now, at the union level, there we decided on automatic exchange of information, on savings first, and that we are already... Uh, working on uh, this automatic exchange since 2005. And now we are broadening the scope to all kinds of incomes, also incomes of employment, for instance, capital gains, royalties, dividends, <laughs> and, and hopefully we will have that kind of automatic exchange of information oh, starting automatic. from 2015. So we are not touching upon the tax levels. It's not an exercise in tax harmonization. It is the automatic exchange of information between the countries. And, of course, the removal of cash from the equation, because that's how you get the black markets, as he was saying. This is a total clampdown on Europe. Total. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the thing is that the, the, the solution to tax fraud, which is illegal, and tax avoidance, which really isn't, uh, it's simple, and I don't understand why they go through all this trouble when they can solve the problem quite quickly and quite easily. By killing everybody? Wealth tax. <laughs> Wealth tax, yeah. Yeah, that's it, baby. That's the ticket. Wealth, that's what they do in Switzerland. Wealth tax. You tax the wealth. You don't tax the income. Income is crazy to tax. People are trying to get wealthy so they can tag, be taxed. But it's like this, like the 8% across the board. That's no good. No. It should be a wealth tax. It should be your total wealth should be taxed a certain amount. It's not that much. And it will until you make a couple million dollars a year, your taxes will actually go down. And the <clears> super wealthy will get taxed. They're just sitting on their money. <clears throat> and are you just going to keep saying this until you're dead? Until I'm dead, till we're all dead? Because it's never going to happen. They're not going to do this. They want to steal your money. They want to steal your money. They're not interested in fairness. There is that. Have you been following? Well, you're listening to all this cool stuff. You know, you've got a lot of good clips today, I have to say. I, well, I have a little more. Well, I want to Thank just you. take a break here and show you the unfortunate situation that I was in <laughs> because I ended up picking up some clips that are just dreadful, horrible. <laughs> Let's not play them. Clips. Let's not play them. Let's not play you them. You have to play this so you know what, what agony I've gone no, through. Not, no. Come on. Not the spinning mummy. No, not the, not, that's later. The classic, <laughs> later. Fox, <laughs> the, the classic Fox name-calling clip. This is what you listen to on Fox. Years, you are judicially challenged and you're one of the stooges of the left that will always be there to excuse away criminal behavior. You suffer from Bob Beckleitis, which is an incurable fatal condition of liberalism that has caused people like Eric Holder to be the constant 
Larry for President Barack Hussein Obama. Sign the petition, Tamara, to call for the resignation of the chief law enforcement officer of this nation because he lied under oath when he criminalized journalism, and you know he did it, but you refuse to do what's right. But I really hope that when you speak to a judge, you don't point your finger in the person's face the entire time by making your point. Are you a your judge? Your finger does not. Whose finger's in my face right now? Mine, because I'm telling you to shut up. But anyway. Ooh. I mean, you shut up. Know your role and shut your mouth. My role is yeah. a woman. Yeah. Never mind. I, um, well, do, is what, are there, you going to cry? Did he, did he, no, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> You're not going to cry? No, I'm not going to. Shake hands and make friends. I don't shake hands with trolls. No. Oh. See, you Name guys. calling takes the place of reason. You started it. You began it. Don't you look at me you like that. You compare me to Bob Beckel. I think you're taking lessons from Michelle Malkin on how to call people All right, late. all right. Okay, don't ever do that to me again. And I am putting my finger in your face. Don't ever make me listen to that again. That is that is just a whole minute and three seconds of my life wasted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've heard that bit before. I know, I know. I try. Come on, have, listen. This is the have, kind of thing that this is Fox. No, These guys I are beside care. themselves because they have to go after Snowden. Let me deconstruct I, something for you. I'm it, done. It, it, with, I'm so done with Snowden. I'm so done with. Look, bottom line, the government is spying on your ass. You're a slave. Shut up. Now let me. Let's just laugh about some other things. Because because right. you, I, you, I can tell you're very, very um, annoyed by this, by this total lack of information. You grew up in by the coverage, the coverage. You grew up in a different era with different type of newsmen, because I think it was all men at the time. And you're very annoyed by this lack of coverage, but you can't make up for it. I can make up for it with this clip to show you the, how how clamped how clamped down this is. And by the way, the clip you're going to listen to. This pro this 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 item this product, shot spotter this product was in Boston when all those cra when all the craziness was coming about nobody ever said can we look at the shot spotter data because we could have solved some very interesting answered some very interesting questions about these two guys running around. Every day. Gun violence is taking a massive emotional and economic toll on communities all over the world. Public safety agencies are doing their best, but resources are shrinking. In some communities, fewer than 25% of gunshot incidents are reported. These communities aren't just under threat, they're losing hope. It's time to fight back with a proven force multiplier that's operationally effective and cost-effective. It's time to fight back with ShotSpotter. ShotSpotter is the critical solution agencies need to pinpoint every gunfire incident, even when no one calls, to respond safely and quickly, and to create real deterrence against illegal gunfire. ShotSpotter is the critical first step in stopping gun violence. ShotSpotter enhances every aspect of law enforcement operations, providing unprecedented situational awareness for faster and safer response. Are they sending us a check? <laughs> they should. You can play the whole thing or not. But the point is, is that unbeknownst to most people, this this system is in almost every major city. It's in Oakland. It's in San Francisco. It's all over the place. Okay, I need to ask you a question. I, one of my military contacts sent me a link about this particular product with the, and the link was directly to the page about all the, all the cities that this is in. 
Where did you get this from and why? Because I, th- I, I I think this is there's something there's someone's trying to communicate something to me, and I looked at this, I saw this, I saw this commercial, and I'm like, okay, why is why is my I contact? Don't know. All I know is that this would the, the Boston situation, the shot spotter data would have told us what was really going on with that bull crap that 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 theater that they were playing where they apparently took the one brother and they brought him down and they were holding him down and then the other brother while the guy was standing right there with a gun this is the way the story was told ran him over and they didn't shoot the guy in the car where did you get the link where did you find out about this product uh probably from the same guy who sent you the links only i went through all of them Hmm. i was fascinated by this thing because it's a little it's a little uh box with a, it's got a recorder or some sort of, it's a triangulation system yeah, for yeah, the whole city. Yeah. It's been around for like, a long time. It also just basically listens to everything that's going on. It's not just for, for shots. I mean, this yeah, is, but it's, 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 all right, all right. I don't think you all can right. pick up a guy talking. No, no, that's impossible. Sure. <laughs> I, I got, Mickey got a new iPhone um, because we got the upgrade from AT&T for being such a loyal customer. Yeah. And so I went to the, the, the Apple store. That's why we were also the genius bar, this crap. And so now installed on your iPhone is a giant voice system. So the, pres- the president can talk to your iPhone through. What? It, yes. So it pre installed, you get Amber alerts and, and emergency alerts. And you can turn those off, but you can't turn off the, the, the presidential what? alerts. Yes. AT&T. And they're going to do it on all phones. That now the president can essentially press a button and talk to all of you on his uh, on your phone. Wow! Yeah, take that shot, spotter. Wow! Yeah, sh- yeah. Uh, this-, this is a scandal. <laughs> Please, have you been following this Paula Dean thing? Because I certainly wasn't. Uh, yeah, I was kind of offhandedly following it, but I, I don't care because she's just another celebrity chef on the food network it seems like a lot of publicity for them and that i didn't ah, well i was going to bring it up how interesting cuz that's what i thought until uh, one of uh, a very insistent producer was like you know you got to look at this thing you got to look at this thing like did you, and, and his, what he basically was saying was did you realize that um uh, the so-called uh, she used the N word, which we can't use in America. But so somewhere she said nigger. I, I love having a podcast because you can say that and not get fired. It's just a fucking word, people. Um, in context, it's okay to say this. And but she said this like 15 years ago. This is not like she's walking around the Food Network office going, "Hey, nigger, get me this nigger." It's not like what happened. So why is she being railroaded? That was basically the question my producer put to me. Okay. And I'm like, okay. And so you go back and look, and she was in the news around uh, February. Why was she in the news in February? Do you recall? No, no but you're going to no. tell me. Uh, she had type 2 diabetes. And oh, Yeah, uh, I remember that. Right. And then from that, she became uh, the voice of Victoza. And Victoza is... A uh, is from Novartis. It is a diabetes drug, and she became, along with her sons, I think, she became the spokesperson uh, for this drug. And you can see it at uh, the voices of Victoza, and uh, she's all over this thing, all over the place. And um, and so I'm like, okay, that might be interesting. And then here's the news 
from this uh, from June 25th. Headline, Victoza in its crosshairs, Eli Lilly primes for marketing duel. As the dust settles from the American Diabetes Association meeting this week, a marketing battle is brewing. Data presented at the Big Confab suggested that Eli Lilly's experimental GLP-1 analog delaglitude is largely on par efficacy-wise with some of its would-be competition. Uh, there is a huge marketing war underway, and we know how, we know what these drugs are. Di- are you kidding me? Type two diabetes. We know that the the Lipitor, even out of out of patent, the revenues from Lipitor is two billion dollars more than the entire music industry. One drug. So uh, type two di- diabetes, and then. I find this little gem from the Wall Street Journal. Lee Hawkins of the Wall Street Journal, the Food Network, announcing that it will not be renewing the contract of Food Network star Paula Dean at the end of this month, following Dean's recent admission in a court deposition that she's used racial epithets and told socially inappropriate jokes in her past. The question now is, will Novu Nordisk, a pharmaceutical company that uses Dean to endorse its type 2 diabetes drug, be next? It doesn't look good for Dean. Novu Nordisk has put a lot of resources into corporate diversity and sponsoring events that bring diabetes testing and awareness to events that target African Americans and other racial minorities who are disproportionately impacted by type 2 diabetes. It's obvious. If you want to kill your competition, take the spokesperson and you're going and your market is black people, African Americans. Yeah. Then go after your spokesperson. She's a racist. So did you, were you stunned? by this revelation? I'm stunned that no one's put it together. Oh, okay. Well, I, that, as we've done on the entire show today, pointed out questions aren't asked, the conclusions aren't drawn, the obvious is ignored, and now you just bring <laughs> another one. And then I'd like to I'd like to finally wind up from my end. And I, I, I got clips oh, for wait the a next minute. I got, I, just, I just got one thing to say. just want to finalize this. When when we started podcasting, it you know uh, uh, it, it truly is a revolutionary thing. Even though it's not it's not all that complicated, and you know these days it's getting so much easier. You just you, know, you can basically throw an MP3 file in an email. I mean, when this started in 2004, it took hours to download stuff. We had always on you know computing, but nothing was fast, and the world has changed so dramatically. There is a group of people I am convinced we are serving that we are serving better than the entire mainstream publishing industry. And in particular, because we deliver this information for free, no charge. If no you commercials. Fi- no commercials. If you find that there is some value in the program, we'd love to receive something back. That can be money is very important because we have no other jobs. And John, you seem to be getting increasingly less work. You're getting fired from every every column you're writing. <laughs> I'm just, the end is near. It's, just it's a, ageism. It's just, yes, of course it's ageism. It's just an observation, but yes. So this is what we do. I have no other plans. You know, yeah, you know, we'll try and put a podcast device together or some, you know, prepper SDR uh, ham thing. But yeah, there's always something to do. But it's, I think the days of, hey, I made a million bucks, that's over. That's, that's not happening anymore. I will be doing this until I fall down. I'm pretty sure of it. Um, the, I had no idea, but there is in Marrakesh right now a huge 
conference, a douchebag conference, um, the diplomatic conference to conclude a treaty to facilitate access to published works by visually impaired persons and persons with print disabilities. Stevie Wonder has come out with a little video. Uh, this has been going on for decades, decades to get this done. And what it is, uh, it should be evident, but uh, I'll, I'll let him uh, talk for a second here. 19, I spoke to Francis Gurry, who gave me an update on your negotiations. I was pleased to hear that you're working very hard and that everyone is committed to leaving Marrakesh with an agreement. This is music to my ears, and you all know how much I love me some music. I promised Francis that I would come to Marrakesh for a special celebration if a treaty that meets the expectations of the world's blind and visually impaired is concluded. Okay, so he goes on for a bit there, and of course, at the end, he always sees sings, signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. So Stevie Wonder is saying, if you guys get this deal together, I will come to Marrakesh and I'll do a free concert for you. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll blow you. Uh, please, because what is happening is the publishers of the world refuse, refuse to publish 90, more than, according to the documents, more than 95% of all published works are not published in uh, print-challenged, what do they call it, formats, because they're afraid that the gooky-eyed motherfuckers are going to steal their work, steal their copyrights. How sad is it? What? Is that what it says? It says gooky-eyed motherfuckers right no, here no, in the document. Besides your, your profanity. <laughs> yes. It, it says that they're afraid that it's going to be ripped off. Mindful of the challenges that are pre... Hold on a second. Let me get the logic straight because I want to ask a simple question. You don't have a version for the blind... Because if the blind get a version, which they can't, they're not buying anything now, so there's no money being lost in this deal. And if they start passing it around amongst themselves, the, the blind version, a Braille version or a yep. spoken word version, they're going to just pass it around themselves. They're going to steal it, but there's, they're not buying it now. So what are they stealing? It's the passing it around and the audio versions that these guys are so fearful of. So they are going to make... Uh, official uh, non-profit organizations who will be sanctioned, who will be able to make this material available. Uh, there has to be all kinds of DRM. They're so afraid that they can't sell more than one copy because, you know, these blind people, turns out they, like, hang out in groups. You know, these fuckers, can you believe them? They hang out in groups and they trade stuff amongst themselves. They, so how are we going to sell... Uh, individual copies to all of them. We can't make enough money on them. That is what. It, that is exactly. I have the documents here. <laughs> it, it would. It blew my fucking mind, John. Apparently, like, since you're, you um, sound yeah, like a truck driver. It's the Tourette's. It's the Tourette's. Uh, it's it's really the Tourette's. It it, it 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 just it blew me away. And I've highlighted this document. You can look at it in the in the show notes under the War on the Blind. <laughs> it was just appropriate, and, about right? Yeah, and 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 I and, and I was actually I I have to be honest. I was looking at it like, where is there an opportunity for us? Can we do like audio book versions of stuff and get a special deal? Can we do something? And then I'm like, what am I talking about? We do this service specifically for visually impaired, blind, gooky-eyed people. Hello, we love y'all. We, this is a fantastic service for them. Wait, you're talking about the No Agenda podcast? Yes. Yes. 
It's the best, the best service. I mean, can you imagine where you finally get, what, can they get like some, some history book in Braille? Great. Yeah, that'll be factual. That'll be true. We're going to get the New York Times in Braille? Oh, I bet, yeah. How sad is it that our fellow human homo sapiens who cannot get true information in a topical, uh, accessible manner? So I, well, wel- so I welcome you, and if you know anyone who was blind or print challenged or whatever all the politically correct words are, let's turn them on to the No Agenda podcast. This is a huge market we can go after. I think we've already got a, a good piece of it. Oh, I'm sure we have some of it, but this needs to be shared because you're being screwed, people. There are a bunch of elitist pricks in Marrakesh, a nice little, nice little conference. Yeah, I got an idea. Let's do a conference in Marrakesh. Yeah, that'll keep the hoi polloi away. Right. Well, so, that it's now that you mentioned that this great service we're doing, I think it's about time we played the clip. <laughs> spinning, the spinning mummy. Spinning mummy. <laughs> what you're seeing has yet to be explained. This ancient Egyptian statue appears to be spinning on its own, as seen in time-lapse footage from the Manchester Museum. The nearly 4,000-year-old statue has been part of the museum's collection for 80 years and has never moved (laughs) until recently. Ancient Egyptians believed this type of statuette could act as a vessel for spirits. But the exhibit's curator thinks even the ancient Egyptians would have been surprised by the strange occurrence. Some logical explanations could be vibrations from cars outside or foot traffic in the museum. But that doesn't explain why it moves in a perfect circle. Whatever the answer, the phenomenon is sure to draw more visitors to the exhibit. Is it really? This is shameless crap. <laughs> I think it was on the BBC or something. One of these. Yes, it was a TV network. I had a. I had the same report from a different. Oh, it's crazy. I had the same one. I'm like, you've got to hear this because it's. And did you see? You saw the video. I take it right. Oh yeah, the little thing spinning around. No, no but the video I had, I thought it was like six feet tall. And then, and then they show that it's just like, it's like... Yeah, it's a little bitty thing. It's like eight eight inches tall. Right. <laughs> and it's spinning. It's spinning. And of course, this is all bull crap. This is only done to get this poor museum some more customers because everyone wants to see this spinning mummy. Yeah. And so it's like, it, and it's such, it's shameless, shameless. Yeah. And that passes for actual news and entertainment, people. That's what it Without is. Without question, nobody said, well, why don't you put put a guard on it? Why don't you have somebody standing there? Why don't you put a camera on it running, not time-lapse, but just have it running? Because, you know, obviously somebody's coming in there and they're moving it. <laughs> they take another picture and they move it some more. It's, it's, so, it's so phony. And they play it straight and may have spirits in it. What kind of what kind of presentation is this to the public? This shameless plug for the museum, bogative story. It's disgusting. And both of us saw it. How how horrible is that? What a that, reach. That means it was being played all over the reach. place. So there was a That's there reach. is a public relations agency that was behind this. Yeah, I reach. have an idea. Yeah. So I I don't think I can uh, oops. Sorry I did it. I don't know if I if I can I don't think we have enough time for today to get into the uh, the big abortion bill debate here in Texas. 
No, we'll do it on the Sunday show. And I also yeah, want I everyone should. to go look at. I also want you and everyone else to go look at something kind of interesting that was kind of revealed recently. That well, most of the uh, work that's done for these for the NSA, the CIA, all the people <laughs> that do the profiling, all the bad actors are kept track of. It's not being kept track of by any of these agencies. It's being kept. If you're a bad person, you're in the in the dossiers of the State Department. A special operation has been around for years that nobody ever talks about called the Bureau of Intelligence and Research. And it's, it's the INR, Intelligence Research, managed by the Assistant Secretary Philip Goldberg. This is a major operation that is never discussed. Well, Bernstein and Woodward. We're done. <laughs> what was the point of that? I just want people to get clued in because I'm going to look into this. Oh, okay. This is a tease. It's a tease for Sunday. It's a tease for Sunday. All right. Well, anyway, um, sorry about Nelson Mandela because he'll be dead by Sunday. No, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah no, we need a Deadpool on on this. No, he's already dead. They just needed Obama to get there. He's dead. He's dead. Dead. Oh, uh, I, Obama's going to be by his side as he dies. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. How yeah. about that for an idea? That well, that well, yes. Hello, that's how we started the whole show. Uh, as end of show. Okay, we don't even have time for an end of show clip. I I wanted to play. Oh, we'll do all this on Sunday. You know what? You got to come back on Sunday. You really do, uh, because we. Oh, let me get the, uh, the music going there. Because we really got all kinds of groovy stuff for you. John's going to be working on uh, on the INR, which I don't, had not heard of. Uh, we'll have more stories about chewing leaves with hookers in the Andes or whatever it was. <laughs> and I would love to give you my analysis of Senate Bill 5 uh, of the Texas legislature, which seemingly thousands of people were able to organize around stopping that. And all these other atrocities just go on and, oh, it's all good for your security. So I, I don't know. I think we need to look at our priorities. I'd love to discuss that because no other news outfit can have a frank conversation. We can. Why? Because you support us. And that's the only way we stay on the air. Dvorak.org slash NA for your donations. Coming to you from the capital of the Drone Star State in the morning, everybody. My name's Adam Curry. And coming to you from northern Silicon Valley here in the state of California, I'm John C. Devore. We'll be back on Sunday. Please join us right here on No Agenda. within a strong legal framework. We operate under the rule of law and are accountable for it. In some countries, secret intelligence is used to control their people. In ours, it only exists to protect their freedoms. Protect their freedoms. Protect their freedoms. Protect their freedoms. The best podcast in the universe. Dvorak.org slash N-A-